are. Here it is. Top five games of the year brought to you by the Sox cast and a bunch of other people who wrote a lot of words about games too. I'm your host, Polly. Rhett's still here. Hi. And John's still here. Hi. This is the episode where I didn't <laughs> want to think of any introductions for anybody. Yeah. It's okay, though. This is our last podcast of the year. We can, we, we're taking it easy. We're just chilling. We're talking about good games. We're all having a good time. And we hope you're having a good time out there as well as we get things rolling. Why don't we get this thing started with a bang? John, I bet you got a listener list for us to, to get this thing. Get, just get it going nice and started. Let's get day two started with a bang. Let's do it. I'm going to read you Nate Sajine Toto's list. Um, number three, Dying Light, from the creators of that magnificent trailer for a horror game that ended up being a subpar game focused on surviving in a zombie-invested area that you can't escape from, comes another game focused on surviving in a zombie-invested area that you can't escape from. It's like a zombie <laughs> version of The Floor's Lava, and it's actually more fun than I thought it would be, whereas Dying Light eclipses other games it's emulating, like Fallout 4, is with personality. Mm. Where? All right. Um, instead of having a stick up its ass, it's not afraid to be wacky and sarcastic, which is a good change of pace. It makes you want to experience everything it has to offer. That wasn't a, um, that wasn't a typo. I just misread that earlier. Gotcha. Uh, number two, zombie Vikings. Comedy-driven games nowadays usually feel forced and often suffer from horrible glitches and eh gameplay. Zombie Vikings is hilarious. It starts out with Loki stealing Odin's eye and a surrealist chase begins. One minute you're dethroning a cat to get to a naked obese witch in a walking cauldron. The next you're playing make-believe with the sweetest little girl golem ever. I like girl golems. It's short, sweet, and the flaws are overshadowed by its amazingly paced comedy. It's like if Earthworm Jim was a side-scrolling beat-em-up. And in a world of generic first-person shooters, sandbox games that don't care about the story as much as creating an atmosphere, and Mario stuff. <laughs> Mario <laughs> stuff! Just like butt Some stuff. Fucking Mario <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Zombie Vikings is a breath of fresh air and worth your time. I mean, he says that, but like, of all the Wii U games I've played, they all are like at least somewhat involved in the Mario universe. Yeah. Like, yeah. Captain Toad, Mario 3D World, Mario Kart, Splatoon... <laughs> Nintendo Land. It's all it's Mario's all the way down, y'all. <laughs> There's Mario stuff on your phone now, Jesus. There's Christ. Mario stuff on my phone now. God. Um, number one, Earth Defense Force 4.1. There is no greater artistic expression in the world than shooting a rocket launcher at a horde of giant ants, seeing them fly through the air while your fiance sings Ave Maria. That is all. It is fantastic. End I, of the year. I love those games. I really want to play them because they just seem like like they're flawed as fuck, but they are just absolute silliness. Yep. Happy New Year. Most likely, all three games next year will be Sonic Mania. There you go. That's <laughs> something to look forward to. 2017 is not looking so bad, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? Oh, I should have put Sonic 1 on my list. Oh, oh well. fuck off. <laughs> I believe someone else has a list to read. I believe I do. It's from our good pal, Shiori Listening Garden. You might know them from our Discord channel. Always hanging out, hanging out on Twitter, being a good pal to everybody. Uh, so, these games don't have any numbers associated with them. So I'm going to assume they're not ranked and they're all number one. 
So, here we go. <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege. In a classic case of switched at birth, the best tactical arcade shooter since Counter-Strike somehow happened to be released under Ubisoft's name. Emphasis on reactive audio design within the intricate, destructible spaces makes every moment <clears throat> uh, terrifying and intense. Long, long breaths held between encounters. Unique operator tools keep gameplay fresh and further reward attentiveness during gameplay. Not watching or listening for one of the dozen different telltale signs can bring about a swift death. Coordination between teammates is key, so you'll likely want to play with a full squad of friends if possible. Their commitment to constantly improving and rebuilding when needed is also refreshing. A good sign of Ubisoft's focus as a company going forward. Never dreamed I would say these words, <laughs> let alone <clears throat> let alone about an Ubisoft game in 2016. Yeah, like I like people really like this game a lot. Uh, this game seems to have had a huge turnaround. Like yeah. it reviewed very poorly at launch, but they've been working on it for like a year. So. Yeah, they've shown commitment to that game, and that's just not something you see from Ubisoft. Is like they just yeah. shit something out, we're done. But they really like have nailed something with this game, and definitely have reconnected with their audience. It feels like cool. The next entry. This one may shock everybody. Kindred spirits on the roof. <laughs> Initially hyped up as Valve's complete acceptance of anime titties on their storefront, Kindred Spirits turned out to be an extremely tender, emotional story about girls coming to terms with their sexuality and the way they bloom on into their own. The challenges brought about by the titular ghost lesbians and their hashtag Yuritopia dream <clears throat> make for a breezy, heartwarming, occasionally dramatic, altogether cute little story. Sex scenes, of which there are only a few, never titillate, instead focusing on the awkwardness of both parties undergoing self-discovery in an otherwise intimate moment shared between them. Manga Gamer even localized all four audio-only drama CDs, a move Aww. both unheard of and welcomed by fans of the game and VNs in general. I consider them essential for the, for the brief windows into the futures of the characters and how they've matured and rooted. Yeah, this game definitely is like... It sounds like like when I did the Higurashi work for Manga Gamer, they were kind of a mess, um, mm -hmm. but they seem to really be knocking it out of the park. And like this seems to be like the title that spearheaded that. Like I, everybody I've talked to just loves the piss out of this game, and it definitely sounds like it's well deserved. Fuck yeah! Cool. Hey, I have one. I have two words to contribute to the Kindred Spirit stock. Mm -hmm. I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I also really liked uh, the mentioning of the sex scenes like being just really awkward and fumbly and kind of weird. I kind of like it when yeah. things are honest like that. Uh, it's that. always A plus for me. Uh, so, And uh, the final entry is Kentucky Route Zero Act 4. Lost souls carry themselves downstream along the underground Echo River. Regrets and mistakes following the crew to parts unknown. And it's in its penultimate chapter, Kentucky Route Zero's fascinating world continues to shift ever so slightly away from being too familiar sinister undertones painting the mundane into the magical cardboard computers subtle understated characters match well with the fantastical world surrounding them a prowess which puts them ahead of many contemporaries in quote-unquote game writing it may take a year between acts but that time is well invested, like aging a fine, like aging a fine whiskey. Going underground as deep as you can go. The air is cold. The earth is damp. And when you close your eyes, you are surrounded by the dead. Remember where? Remember where that is? You'll find your way from there. 
Uh, yeah, that's another game that, like, I, I've held off on uh, yeah. picking that up until it's finished because it definitely sounds like something I need to, like, experience all at once and the weight would murder my face. Yeah, it's sad how long that thing is taking to come out, but it seems very worth it. Yes, yes. Like, every chapter now is, like, a game of the year for people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I think pretty nice to have it. I think we're ready yeah. to start cutting. John, you are up mm. first. Make your first cut, number five. Wait, Make it count. What do you, what? What do you mean, cut? <laughs> you know, cut. It hurts to, you know... I don't, to celebrate shut up! good games? <laughs> good games, shut up. The other games on the list are dumb. We don't care about them anymore. I mean, 10 through 6, that's like the garbage category. We're yeah. in top 5 now. Yeah, like once a, game is, sh- once a game is mentioned, it's no longer of any worth whatsoever. We're in the stuff that actually matters. Yeah. Which is why we're going to start with one that we don't need to talk about much since we already talked about it. Number 5, The Beginner's Guide! Ah, oh, yes! This game. Woo. <laughs> I think what made me connect, reconnect with this game even more and put it up, it was lower on my list originally, but then I remembered that I have a number of critic friends that felt, like, personally attacked by this game and were like, <laughs> I think this game is just kind of anti-critic. And, well, may, maybe they just... <laughs> no, it's it's not. <laughs> so, it's definitely not anti-critic. No, not in the um, Knowing... But is, is it anti... It kind of could be seen that way. <laughs> I like, can see that reading, but I think that you're kind of just wanting to see it that way. I don't think mm-hmm. that that's that game's intent at yeah. all. Because yeah. when I played it, like, we all kind of had the game developer seeing eyes through it. Yeah. But yeah. then I saw an, an episode of Errant Signal where Campster was looking at it as a game critic. Mm-hmm. And he had some very different readings. Mm. Yeah, and it that was my like, response to, that was what prompted the talk was mentioning, oh, Errant Signal's video on this was real good. Yeah, yeah. it's good shit. It's real smart and well put together. That game can be seen as like you viewing an artwork and then applying your own prejudices to it, Mm -hmm. which game critics kind of do all the time. Projecting projecting your own bullshit onto people's art. Um, But, you know, I think that's I think that's a little limited also and kind of does doesn't criticism can be more than that you just have to make it and if you're feeling attacked by it maybe maybe think about that think about why it struck a nerve with you um i think it's a really beautiful story and a really well done game and i want to revisit and think about it a lot for many years to come yeah like even though we did a spoiler cast on it there are still things about that game that really stick with me um god yeah yeah it says a lot i definitely appreciate it more after we did the spoiler cast yeah Mm mm-hmm because when I played it, I was just like, that was bullshit. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like talking it out for, you know, however long we spent doing that, I think really kind of, like, unraveled it and unpacked yeah. it a lot more. Yeah, because there's a lot to digest there. There really is! Yeah. It's so funny, because it really does feel like there's a lot more there than, than the Stanley Parable to me. Mm-hmm. Even though Stanley Parable is so dense with all those alternate paths and digressions, and the Beginner's Guide is comparatively so straightforward... But okay, it's but just this. Consider the part in Stanley Parable where you have to kill yourself like that. <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> That's good. fucked up. Pretty good. Stanley Parable's real good too. Yeah, I'm yeah. not <laughs> not tearing that down. Beginner's Guide is great if you like thinking about art. If you like making art, um, check it out. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Rhett, got a number yep. five for me. Uh, so. <laughs> well, oh, uh, oh. <laughs> 
Top five are games that matter, right? Yeah. Oh no. Wait. Can I take that back? <laughs> oh, this this sounds like games. this sounds like before I mentioned Romancing Saga two. Kind of. I think we're bracing ourselves. Or, or should I? Or should I say? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I know what this one is. My number five is No Man's Sky. <laughs> All right, let's hear it. So, <laughs> remember how, like, two years ago when I did Bioshock Infinite, like, it was just me being on the defensive the whole time while you two were like, that game sucks. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. And I thought I was going to be able to avoid that this time, but apparently not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I, can I say, like, this game seems totally fine, and I, the reaction to it has been ridiculously overblown. I mean, yeah. it's great. So or I, fine. Yeah. I watched a couple trailers when they showed them, like, years ago, and then I played the game, and I was like, I don't know, this is really good. And then I did watch all the interviews he did, like, and all the promises, and, like, it does kind of make you mad. Like, oh, he really did, like, say a ton of shit that's not in the game, and that's really shitty. Yeah. But, like, the game as it is, I still really like. And then they did that huge update, like, two weeks ago. That really I, seems I, to have made all the fucking difference in the world. Yeah, like, I have been... Pl- so I had, like, something something ridiculous, like, 70 hours in the game mm-hmm. before the update, and I had kind of burnt out and, like, was just tooling around with mods and stuff, and then the game would, like, crash a ton because I was loading all these crazy mods. Mm-hmm. And now I have, like, 130 hours in it after the update. I've, like, doubled my playtime because I can't stop playing now, and, like, I really like building bases and just exploring the stuff. And it's just, this is, like, the best podcast game ever. Here's why. Here's why I will let this slide and let this game Uh be on your list. You actually crashed the game with your (laughs) dick. And then I built a base shaped like a person, and I made the... (laughs) One of the hallways up from the crotch area go up diagonally, and I broke through the stratosphere. (laughs) And I I think at the point where it would have been space, it just crashed and said, no, you can't do that. No, your penis is way too big, just like we'd all known. I I built straight up for 20 minutes. (laughs) It was ridiculous. Was there any kind of, like, artistic curve to it or anything? (laughs) What? (laughs) <laughs> I just <laughs> oh so my dumb. god you said like when you started saying i'm gonna let this slide i thought you were gonna say because you actually play the game you just don't just bitch about it online like no. other people do well i mean i guess sure that but you crash yeah. the game with your penis and i think that's the most important part <laughs> that's also important i guess i think that's more important yeah i don't know i just it's a very chill game but like the survival mode has added just enough gameplay to it to where it's not like I don't know, like, empty and boring. Like, right. there's just enough danger now to keep it interesting. And, like, I've listened to a lot of my brother, my brother and me while playing this game. It's, yeah, well, hey, like, and you it's just, have your podcast game. Yeah. I got the McElroy reference. And I just, I just have, like, 900 screenshots in this game because it's just such a photogenic game. And I really like how it does randomly generated stuff better than anything I think I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Of how, like, 
all these canyons and valleys and stuff, they feel handmade in a weird way. Mm-hmm. And like, it's always like, oh, I want to see what's over that hill, even if there's nothing over there. But yeah. sometimes there is. And yeah. I'm going to keep going to keep playing it. And yeah. I am excited to see what they do next. Hey, That's guess good. what? Mm-hmm. All video game, all big, big video game marketing is bullshit anyway. Yeah, and it sounds but... like this is a good game. And just who gives a shit at this point? I feel like we've said our piece. Yeah, like it's it's <laughs> yeah. already been What's said. You know, it is super weird to see like the turnaround though. Like people on the Reddit for it are like just playing the game now and being super positive. And that's that's <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, like like we can I, move past this shit. Yeah. Because I think the big thing people were wondering about was like, is there no future? Is it just yeah. kind of this empty husk of a game that will never be touched again? It's like the answer is no. They're actually going to keep working on it now. They didn't cool. just take the money and run. Cool. And I think the final game is still pretty cool. Yeah, good on them. Yeah. Like it, it definitely, I can see how it would appeal to your kind yeah. of like space. Because yeah, basically explorer. all you have to do apparently for me is just add the words in space, and I'm yeah. on board. You're done. Now, now it's like. There. Now it's like, oh, now you can farm in space. Well, it's just like, you know, like you, you, you got your career started by writing the space adventures of the space adventurer. So I mean, that's kind of what this game that is. That really though, is where, what this is. Where this game is just like you going on a journey through these 70s kind of artwork inspired sci-fi planets. Mm-hmm. Like what I like about this game is that it has an, an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely a look this game goes for on purpose. And, like, when I see these other space games, they all just go for, like, super sterile, like, gray, metallic and stuff. Very flat. And it's just, like, they look so boring. Like, I saw this one thing. It's like, check out our randomly generated moon. And it looks like the actual moon. And I'm like, that looks boring. That's kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. I want my moon to fart and then fruity pebbles come out. I mean, there are some noxious gases in No Man's Sky. Well, there we go. That's how we start. That's how we start. (laughs) And then we get some particle effects that look like, you know, fruity pebbles. And just, like, make a moon, put it up in the sky, and just make it fart. And, like, the little, the, the... The fruity pebbles what are we do- what orbit are we around. Now? <laughs> Look, well, just go with me here, all right? The fruity pebbles orbit around the pla- like the the moon as it fa- as it just kind of farts <laughs> <at> intermittently. <laughs> hey, Rhett. This is yeah. a much better choice than Bioshock Infinite Fearless. <laughs> <laughs> Barding moon, fruity pebbles. Somebody do this. Come on. That's going to be the next mod for. There's maybe. always a lighthouse on a farting fruity pebble. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> so, any more about No Man's Sky, right? There's always a man, a sky, and a no. <laughs> You're not wrong! <laughs> hey, Polly, do you yeah, have a number five for us? I got us? a number five. <laughs> oh, boy! <laughs> okay. My number five game of 2016 is Labyrinth of Toho 2. Woo! Nice. Dungeon fight, dungeon crawly games. They are going to have a lot to live up to after me having played Labyrinth of Toho 2. So Seventh Dragon 3, you've got a hell of a lot to live up to once I get around to putting you right in my 3DS and playing you. Um, but um, man, it's like... 
I get Etrian Odyssey. I get Wizardry. Like, I get games like that. I understand it. And then, like, I think that, like, those games also just kind of, like, make you commit to things that can kind of, like, just completely fuck you over in ways that are just, like, you can't go back. You've fucked yourself over. Like, this is what you're stuck with now. And that just kind of, like, irks me because it feels like you can just completely wreck an entire playthrough like that. Um, but Labyrinth of Toho 2... Uh, completely just does away with all that. Like, it's just like, play the game any damn way you want. Raise your characters any damn way you want. Respect any damn time you want. Just do the thing, because this game is going to beat your ass no matter what you do. It's going to be a very difficult journey, and it's going to lovingly pound your face into the ground until you cry uncle, but you're going you're gonna to persevere if you just stick with it. But I think the game just, like, beyond its character customization and... Um, uh, and things like that. I think it's just got an incredible, like, production value to it that you don't see in Dojin games. Like, this looks, sounds, and feels like it's it's an officially licensed thing. Like, the artwork, like, the character artwork in particular is just really good. Like, it's got nice, really just flowery-looking menus that are really well done. It's just... Um, it's 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 difficult for all the right reasons like um like it feels like you never really have to ever grind and the game kind of emphasizes that by putting like a challenge level on every boss that um if you can beat that boss at or lower than that level then you get incentivized with like rare drops and like i think there's some extra experience that goes into it it's either that or extra money um, but I think the way it handles this, like that kind of stuff, like, like all of its mechanics just feel like, let's look at what we don't like about games like this and make a game where we took all of that out. Kind of like the revelation that when World of Warcraft first came out, let's take out all the unfun stuff and mm -hmm. just leave, and just leave in the fun stuff mm -hmm. and allow you to make decisions at your own, you know, like, just make decisions willy-nilly. Like, there are hardly any decisions that you can make in Labyrinth of Toho 2 in terms of your characters, of which there are a bajillion. And all of whom, like, serve very unique purposes. Like, everybody is just so well-defined and has their own skill set and the ways that you can think of to, like, exploit those skill sets. Like, it's just, it's, it's real fucking smart. And I think that it plays a lot with the characters and, like, the way they interact with one another and it doesn't feel like shitty fan fiction. Like it tells a pretty decent story and it has a really good grasp on how these characters talk to one another and interact. And I think it's just goddamn solid top to bottom. Uh, Hell yeah. And uh, like, I would say even if like the Toho thing isn't your thing, but you like dungeon crawlers, I would still check this game out. Um, it's easily obtainable, it's not very expensive, and an English patch is just slap it right on there, you'll be playing in a matter of minutes. Uh, so yeah, Labyrinth of Toho 2 is my number five game of the year. God, we have good taste in games. Don't we, though? <laughs> Don't we? Don't we? Fucking so, hell. So, so, John, I heard you might have a list of gameroos from I one of them there listener people. I absolutely have us a list. All right, well let's 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 let's, let's hear it. This list is from Freezing Inferno. He beat Battletoads, um, uh, if you didn't know. I'm sorry. He beat Battletoads, if you didn't know. He did beat Battletoads. He likes hard games. <laughs> yeah. But only when they're tough. But yeah. Fair. 
Yeah. Um, uh, oh, Battletoads is anything but fair. Well, well he doesn't like Battletoads because it's not tough but fair. He beat it, uh, though. He beat it, though. That's, That's all true. that matters. <laughs> That's true. What are Freezing Inferno's top three games of the year? What are Phoenix Inferno's top three games of the year? Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, Spirit of Justice is his number f- three. After five games and a handful of spinoffs, you think the series will be running on low, but Spirit of Justice is the most engaging Ace Attorney game in the series for me. The premise of practicing law in a country that's all but abolished lawyers is awesome. Um, at first glance, it seems like it's an easy way to raise the stakes and make you feel like the underdog, but as it progresses, you learn why the law system is the way it is, how it's fundamentally broken and tramples on the common man, and how the people raised with such prejudices can open their eyes and see things the other way. Rallying for change and revolution! It's wow. got some real tricky logical deductions for you to make as well. Some a little too tricky, but overall it was solid and I loved where it went. It sounds like maybe... the game that I wanted, like where I wanted that series to go. Like it sounds like it's definitely doing something a mm-hmm. bit different with its story. Like that mm-hmm. is not just the same thing that we did for the first three. Mm, I was trimming it down a little bit as I went. So that's why it seemed a little incomprehensible. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, number two of three, Hyper, Dimension, Neptunia, Rebirth, two. No. Three. No. no. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to say two. <laughs> You're not going to fool me, know. John Thayer. <laughs> um, after a solid half decade of thinking that Neptunia was just anime trash, I ended up seriously delving into one of them this year. To my surprise, it was quite enjoyable. No one ever told me that Net was good before now, so this is, makes sense. I <laughs> Um, I managed to understand the Sock Circle's near-unanimous affections for the series, as I, too, found a Neptunia girl that I could relate with. I wonder which one that was. I wonder. There were really silly interactions that made me smile, and the challenge level was just right. Only a few places really gave me any trouble. The fact that it inspired a 5,000-word blog post for me should speak volumes, and I'm going to keep it short here and just say that I enjoyed myself quite a bit, and now I understand why people go wild for these games and reblog all the cute fan art of it. Yeah, Iris Heart's the best. Need more nep. Number one. Get more nep in your life. Get more nep in your life. Number one, Pokemon Moon. This was a surprise. I expected this to be a pretty good by-the-numbers Pokemon game, like I've been playing since I was in junior high. What I didn't expect was the secret Orange Islands-inspired game I'd been craving since, well, I was in junior high. Gen 7's changes to the Pokemon formula don't seem like too much at first, but when you combine it with the actual plot, you get something magical. Not only was I legitimately excited for where the story could go next, but it managed to have extreme emotional resonance. Lily is one of the cutest characters in a video game I've yet seen, and I'm glad to have been her friend in this game. I give Game of the Year nods to games that made me feel something. Pokemon Mood made me feel both secure and also emotionally affected. Not bad for a game in which a ghost owl shoots haunted arrows and everything it sees. Ilya is the best boy. I think I added that last bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was wondering about that. Yeah. Also, um, we had a serious discussion about this, but the Orange Island season of Pokemon is very not good, and I think Fresno's praise of that is unjust. It's... Well, they, they made a game out of it, and it's good now. They, they did, and that's nice. Since I was always wondering where that game was as a kid, and this is much better than Orange Island's. <laughs> um, and that's Fres- Freezing Inferno's list. I believe next we've got... We got Rhett reading us Rhett a list, for... don't you? Don't you got a list for us, Rhett? Yes, this one comes in from Poncho Smith. I know Ooh, that guy. I... I know that guy. I actually didn't notice this when I put these two next to each other, but his number three is also Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright Spirit of Justice. Hey! Oh, okay. Perhaps the biggest highlight for me in the most recent Ace Attorney games is the matru- maturate. I'm sorry. Maturation. <laughs> Maturation of some key characters. 
Phoenix goes from bumbling rookie lawyer in the original trilogy to becoming a father figure to the young lawyers in his agency, an evolution I found quite touching. Other series mainstays make returns in Spirit of Justice, but there are enough twists in the old gameplay formula, in addition to numerous twists in the story, of course, to make this more than a quaint, nostalgic romp. This is perhaps the strongest showing for the series since Trials and Tribulations on the DS. Yeah, I'm thinking more and more I have to check yeah. this game out. I wonder if you need to play 5, though, to understand oh, the story. Oh, man, I hear that one's not so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the first one with the bad bad person? That, that no, that's, that's the fourth one. That's the fourth okay. one. Apollo Justice? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, number two, Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. Woo! It's absolutely oh, astonishing. Gonna... Yeah, continue, sorry. <laughs> It's absolutely astonishing to see the leap in quality between Momodora 3 and Reverie Under the Moonlight. It's a fully realized adventure adventure with lush visuals, sublime control, brooding atmosphere, and boss fights that will push you to your breaking point. It's one of those games that feels just feels good to play, giving you that visceral rush and sense of accomplishment when you can put together all those jumps, dodge rolls, strike combos, and come out on top. Kirby Planet Robobot also provided me with similar feelings of platforming bliss, but only missed the cut by a sliver. Mm. <coughs> that's his honorable mention, I guess. Yeah. Uh, number one, Seventh Dragon 3 Code VFD. Oh my. How, how's this for just making the deadline? While admittedly there isn't much in Seventh Dragon 3 that you haven't already seen in other JRPGs, all those disparate shards of ideas and influences come together to form a sleek, streamlined experience that seldom lets up the pace. Armed with engaging character creation and combat systems, tense dungeon crawling, a phenomenal Yuko Koshiro soundtrack, and just enough weirdness to keep everything ever so slightly off-center, this game has a cat cafe, of all things. Mm-hmm. 7th Dragon 3 is as much a total package as you could possibly hope for in any game, let alone from a JRPG. God, Rieko Kodama and Yuzo Kushiro. Yeah, yeah. like this hell, game. This game man. has like an all-star team on it, and God damn, that's my next dungeon crawl. So I'm really hoping that Fuck. it can live up to to what uh, the Labyrinth of Toho did. Uh, so yeah, can't wait to dig into that. Damn. All right. All right. Well, John. What's my number four favorite game of the year? That's exactly what I was going to ask you. How did you get inside my head and know that I was going to say that? <laughs> uh, I'm just clairvoyant, I guess. Oh. Um, it's just a little game you all probably haven't heard of. It's just sort of a little weird indie release. Yeah, all those things that you're back. always going on about on Twitter with yeah. your dumb, weird, pretentious uh, friends. I know, but, you know, uh, this is Final Fantasy Tactics is my number four. Wow. Wait, did you just play this this year? Yeah. Yes! Oh my god! I played, y'all for uh, yeah. I played Final Fantasy Tactics for the first time this year. Um, yeah, that game doesn't really punch you in the face with how good it is. I think Mm-mm. it's a very subtle thing. Yeah. Um, and I, when I wrote this list, I was like, all right, put Final Fantasy Tactics in at like number eight, and then I just um, I loaded up. A thing, like a thing of the OST, and it played like the <laughs> first minute of the title of the intro thing. Yes. And I was just like, I remembered all the times I booted up my PlayStation Vita, and <laughs> you have one of those, and played and started that game up, and I remembered all the times that it played that song, and I remembered being drawn into that world. I remembered all the little sprite animations for you, the 
really gut wrenching story events that happen in that game. Man, the end of remember... chapter one. The end of chapter <sighs> one just makes me. So... Oh my god. Fuck you, Algus, Argus, whatever they... Fuck you, oh, Algus, I will Argus. Fucking... That's a shitty bad boy. He's not yep, a good boy. Yep, that's a shitty bad boy. Not a good bad boy. Not a good bad boy. Like Adachi. <laughs> not good bad boy. No. Um, I remember the boss fights that are just... Just through the whole game, there's, it never lets up. Oh my, in my god, experience. man. Like, oof. God, some of those fights are just... Like the yeah. first Wygrath. Draw your sword. <laughs> I screwed that up. Sorry. Nice. Draw your sword, Ramza. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it just it keeps laying it thick. Um, it's hard the whole way through in a really satisfying way. I was like, oh, I'm through. I'm through the chapter three. I'm good. Um, and then they introduced like ninjas that can just kill you in one hit if they touch you. <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent of the time. Oh, those assassin bitches. Oh my god. Yep. The Elmdor fights are misery because he's got fucking blade grasp and you can barely hit him. Oh. <clears throat> and it's, it's so every good. time. Yes, there. You, there you, there's always a way around it. Yeah. But. They they never make you feel like you're fighting at like on even terms with people. You are constantly being drained and shut down and just barely eking your way against scenarios where yeah. you really should just lose. Like the guy that poisons you before the fight starts. Oh, it's so mean. <laughs> oh. Um Man, that game is a fucking yeah. classic. I've got so I've got like three or four complete maxed out files in that game at 99 hours 59 minutes 59 <laughs> seconds God. but do you have cloud uh yes i have cloud on all three of them <laughs> i have i also have like a low level run where i didn't stop to like level up at all and just played every story mission in a row boy Ooh. oh boy if you want a challenge and you get it you need to get by with just the resources you gain in every fight play that game without ever stopping at a grind point Whew. yeah it's it's pretty brutal, and um, it's fast, too. It's shorter than any of the other PlayStation. Like, I started um, Final Fantasy IX this year and just kind of put it out um, in the second disc. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, it's over in, like, 25 hours if you're not um, moving too quick. Yeah. If you're not, if you're just kind of moving through the story missions, grinding a little bit mm-hmm. when you need to. Uh, and it just tells that story, that that really touching, affecting, good story yeah it's um it was yeah yeah man like that game is a classic for a reason it's one yeah of my, it's, it's not one of my flashy favorites. yeah like it's it's not final fantasy yeah it's so, it's so restrained. not final fantasy <laughs> it is so restrained especially when you consider that like final fantasy 7 had just come out yeah <clears throat> like that like, game is, is so series. restrained like the other best final fantasy games are <laughs> like four six and seven yeah and considering that light like here's this restrained political drama, basically, <laughs> um, and it's just it never goes for the grandiose. There's the final, bo- the it doesn't like have the seventeen form final boss fight. Like I played eight. Um, yeah, I finished mm. eight last year. I can't remember <laughs> that where it has like the five forms of just the nothing character. Yeah, it just it's classy. It's classy in the way that Final Fantasy just never is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is cool. Like, I love Final Fantasy. I love Final Fantasy. Yeah. But this is just so its own thing, and you can absolutely understand why it's a lot of people think of it as the best entry in the series. Yeah, just excellent. Like, the combat mechanics are just really, really good. Like, 
just yeah mm -hmm. it's hard to top that game in terms of strategy rpgs if you like if you like final fantasy tactics try out breath of fire dragon quarter yeah you might like mm -hmm. it yeah there's some there's a lot of overlap there i think there really is especially you know when you consider you know the composer yeah, yeah. <laughs> like i, think, oh, I thought I you're think, gonna say i think breath of fire dragon quarter actually straight up has a couple of final fantasy tactics tunes in it <laughs> cool I thought you were going to say try out Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. No, don't. This game's already <laughs> The played. sequel that that game deserved. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's the Yoshi's Island of Square RPGs. Ouch. <laughs> so, and that is my uh, number four. Rat! Rat! Oh, number four! Next. So this is... A game we've already talked about a little bit. Mm -hmm. That's a I was, I was very <laughs> surprised to have it higher on my list than it was on Polly's. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd be about the same. Uh, my number four is Life is Strange. Oh wow, <laughs> nice! And who boy, yeah. Where do you start to talk about yeah. this game? <laughs> it's man. This was a game that I went into knowing virtually nothing about. Yeah, same here. I like, knew it was high. I knew it was high school girls, maybe mm -hmm. some lesbian themes, mm -hmm. maybe. And I knew there was a time travel thing, but holy shit, does this game go dark places oh, yeah. that are very uncomfortable to talk about or even think about? Yeah, they. You are made. <laughs> to think about and do things yeah. that just are going to stick to your fucking soul. Because this game, I think, it's like, remember The Walking Dead, the Telltale game, a while ago? Mm -hmm. Like, there was such a revelation of, like, having an adventure game with, I mean, to use the shitty term, the feels. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Very emotional game, and, like, everything Telltale since then has kind of not hit that same yeah it feels like they vibe. became self-aware and just try too hard now or even just like they're just cranking those things yeah out they're so just kind of cranking but games out so life is face. strange is definitely the first real kind of revelation in that genre i've played since then yeah and yeah this game feels like almost a moral barometer for people where like there are a couple choices including the final one yeah you're going to get in arguments. About... <laughs> You're going to lose friends. <laughs> that say things about you as a person and the fact that I have come down on the opposite side of Polly and Raquel is... Oh my god, interesting. yeah. Like, like, I thought like when me and Rhett talked about this game, we would be on the same fucking level. <laughs> And when we weren't, a part of me was just like, Rhett, you're breaking my fucking heart. I, I'm an asshole. <laughs> so I won't say the circumstances that this occurs. So the gimmick of this game is that it's an adventure game like The Walking Dead where you make tough choices. Yeah. But you also can reverse time. Mm -hmm. So you can see the immediate effects of what you just did. Yeah. And reverse them, which is real evil in a great way. Yeah, it's... So, there's one scene of the game where I did a choice knowing fully well that it would result in a character dying. Mm -hmm. And I did that choice and immediately was like, wait, no, you know, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this, fuck this. Fuck this. And I'm just mashing on the left trigger or whatever <laughs> to rewind, to rewind time. And it won't let me till the scene finishes. Oh, you've got to mm. live with what you did anyway. 
So this character dies, and then I rewound time and chose <laughs> the other option because I am a monster. You are a... F- oh my god. The, wh- like, the fact that you did the one thing and then reversed it. Just, you are such a terrible person. I am the worst. <laughs> like, I chose the, like, the worst possible way to handle that scene. You did! Because I couldn't commit to either, basically. And then, not to, not to really get into spoilers, but the last episode mm-hmm. is just a real great time fuckery oh my god it's so good like reality basically falls apart there's like scenes where it's replaying the intro but time is going backwards yeah like the the intro credits are playing backwards and like reversed on the screen yeah it's so like i think music is backwards yeah crazy and then you're like time compression it's a much better version of that yes square it's technically a square (laughs) enix game (laughs) yeah and then that final choice that I sat at for like 15 minutes before making the wrong choice. You made the wrong choice, you dumbass. If there's one flaw against this game, it's that they literally didn't finish one of the two endings. It's it's unfortunate. That's, you know, yeah. it's, it's, you know what happens, but it still would have been yeah. nice to kind of have that closure. Like, because the entire game has always been about like, okay, you made the decision, but you're going to have to watch the outcome before yeah. we let you turn it back. So one of the two endings is very truncated. And yeah. The other one is clearly, clearly the clearly the ending that they had the time to finish and probably their intended ending. Yeah. But they gave you a choice anyways, just so people like me could make the wrong choice. Apparently. Yeah. I. Just, but man. I still morally feel just completely antithetical to that <laughs> choice. <laughs> It still makes me mad. <laughs> but it's it great just, that games can I, affect you that way. It's so yeah, great. Definitely. It says so much that you can be so invested in this world and these characters yeah. that these decisions are so fucking hard. Yeah. And and it's, on the other side, like this game is also really great about just small moments. Oh my God. Like making these characters human. Yes. Like there's that one episode where you wake up in Chloe's room. Mm-hmm. And it just lets you soak it in as yeah. long as you want. And that's yeah. really cool. You can just, like, check out her stuff and, like, yeah. all the little knickknacks around the room. Or, like, yeah. scenes, like, where they're at the pool and they're just bonding. Yeah. And it's, it's like, yeah. oh, my God. This... I, I love all the knickknacks around the rooms and stuff. And just, like, how Max's diary, you can also, like, read the whole thing, which yeah. I don't think I actually did. But I only realized in, like, the fifth episode... That, like, she'd been keeping the diary updated the whole time. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh my god, I have, like, a hundred pages to read here, shit. It's all worth reading, though. It's, like, it's written from, like, character perspective really well. I really, really love that and would love to use that, like, in a future project in some way. Just, yeah. like, the idea of perspective uh, writing is really interesting. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, I just remembered something. Uh-oh. So I was, going through my, I was going through my screenshots of this game. Mm-hmm. And I had screenshotted this one thing, a text message that a character sent you. <gasps> and I just felt so horrible all over again. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, this game, it's very emotionally affecting. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. It, uh, it's definitely awesome. highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. That's good shit. 
the game special dog yeah it should have been higher on my list but like there's it's just... fine it's fine you know neptunia was my number six last year so <laughs> yeah yeah shit just happens cool so is that uh life is strange yeah that's life is strange my number four we're gonna we're gonna keep uh the theme going here is a smooth sagui uh to my next <laughs> choice my number four is mega dimension neptunia victory two this game, like, we did an entire spoiler cast about it, and I think that it's really, like, if it is not the best, you know, then Rebirth 3 is, but if Rebirth 3 is not the best, then this is. Like, this yeah. game has just got <laughs> so much good writing, and, like, I don't know where, like, that writing had been this entire time, but it's just, like, <laughs> they brought out everything, like, they make every emotional moment count. They found restraint with, like, some of the overused jokes that they've used throughout the series. Like, they push a character, you know, they push Uzume to center stage above the series' namesake. You know, like, Neptune is pushed to the side for most of this story. And, like, I think that this game even redeems Nepgear quite a bit, which I was actually happy. Like, I really liked the way they presented her um, in the game. But, uh, I mean, just a solid RPG. Like, the battle stuff feels, like, zippier. It's, like, much more condensed. But they've added little things to it, like your weapons controlling, like, how much of a combo you can do, rather than just, like, a big spread of points that you can throw into every slot. Like, you know, this weapon has got, like one medium attack and three light attacks. Like, how are you going to set that up? And you can't have, like, repeat... You can't repeat attacks in a combo now. So you've got to c- continually build new combos around all of your new weapons and stuff. Um, but, like, what really lies at the heart of why this game is so great is the first and third acts. Um, because they're just... You know, for one, like, this game like throws you into the middle of a scenario that is very uncharted territory for the series. Like, normally these games start out pretty silly and just, you know, they want you to soak up and enjoy your time with these really silly characters, but you get thrown into zero dimension, like, ten minutes in, and it's just like, everything's just dead. It's just post-apocalyptic... Oh, like, these characters reacting, having to react to and try to understand, like, a world that they really don't... Like, it's not a situation they're familiar with. And then you've got the new character dynamic of Uzume coming in and just being, like, this total force that propels the story forward toward the third act of the, uh, of the game. Uh, I'm leaving the slumpy, kind of <laughs> gooey second act out of this. Uh, the Sagui. The Sagui, if you will. Um, the... Um, the, the final act, like, the both the normal and true end are both worth pursuing uh, because they both have, like, just emotional, like, hugely emotional um, conclusions. And, like, like, it's not like where you get the normal ending in some other Neptune game and it might just be like, aha, you suck, you didn't get it, try again. <laughs> but this game is, like, you get an ending and it's an ending that makes sense. And I think that, like a part of me likes the normal ending a little better just because of the mm. kind of feelings that it leaves <laughs> you with. Um, but I also absolutely fucking love the true end as well. Like that game goes so fucking anime by the end <laughs> that it's just like, Oh, you're sitting that there. Game. You are clutching your controller, just fucking gritting your teeth. Just yes, yes, yes. Like for the last hour of that true end sequence. Holy shit. That game goes full anime to 
all out the entire thing where like the first and second acts do the whole play the anime opening yeah theme like during actually, the final boss fight yeah yeah and each each uh, each chapter actually has its own op and um ending theme like they've got their own opening animation yeah. and ending it was just like wow they really just like they threw themselves into this game and it's clear that like they, 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 there's so much more quality here than is typically found in this series, which isn't to say the rest of the series is bad. It's just this is yeah. the one where it feels like they really had the resources to do what they wanted. And rather than just doing the same old, same old, they fucking went and, like, turned it on its head as much as they could, I think. Or as much as they felt comfortable doing. Like yeah. I said, like, taking Neptune out of that starting role, uh, that starring role... It's just such a big move for them because it didn't work with Nepgear. No. No, uh, not at all. So they did it again with a completely new character who is just so refreshing and just like her story and just like, oh man, she's such a good character. Had they fucked that character up, it would have broken yeah. my heart. It would have broken my heart. That game does not work without Uzuma. Without Uzum yeah, it would have broken the game. Like the whole thing revolves around her. Yeah, it, and her story is just really, really, really good. So yeah, that's awesome. that's 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 Mega Dimension Neptunia Victory Two. That Your is, game of the year. That right? is my number four. So, number four? What the fuck? Yeah, it's number four. Trust me, it, it this list got hard for me, Rhett. Okay, <laughs> the top of this list is fucking packed. So. I believe Rhett oh, has yes. uh, a, a list for us from another I somebody do. we might be familiar with. This comes in all the way from Twitch.tv. Uh, it <laughs> comes from twi Eric of Twitch.tv slash Eric's Joystick. I know that guy. He's really awesome. Yes. I was a bit reluctant to write up a list because I didn't think I played many games this year, but then Polly threatened to beat my ass. <laughs> it's a good way to get what you want out of people, isn't it? Yeah. Number three, Saints Row the Third. Mm. This took a while for me to play through, but I had a blast zooming through the streets of Steelport, blasting through anyone and everything, using big military vehicles to wreak havoc, and playing through all the game's goofy-ass story missions. The one where you walk around as a toilet speaks to me on a personal... <laughs> it's so fucking Eric. Is it? Jesus. Come on, Eric's, you... Eric's a giant toilet man. The one where you walk around as a toilet speaks to me on a personal level. <laughs> Polly said it's one of the great things. One of the great things about it is that it's not afraid to be a video game, and it's a dead-on observation. Cool. N number two, Dropsy. Hey, good shit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Dropsy is a great, simple point-and-click adventure with a fun story, great art, and an amazing soundtrack. Oh my god. I put it on my top three list because of, on top of being an amazing adventure... It came to me at a time where things were really cloudy for me. Dropsy reminded me that we're all capable of showing genuine love and kindness just because. And more importantly, how we're all deserving of said genuine love and kindness just because. Yeah. That and the soundtrack is just beautiful, to be honest. Yeah, uh, that game's really, really good. I have it on Steam. I should play it. You absolutely should, dude. It's so good. Yeah. Number one, Dark Souls. Mm. <laughs> this is a good game. <laughs> It's a good, it's a pretty good game. Yeah. I've, I've heard. That's a, uh, that's another uh, triple crown winner there, I believe. Yeah. I don't think we're doing a podcast back then, but yeah. 
What can I say about this game that hasn't been said already? Not a lot. Despite the horrible experiences I've had with it, <laughs> I've had a great time with it. It made the top of the list because it was such a memorable experience for me. I love the boss fights, the character area, the creature designs, the game's massive world, finding lots of hidden areas and shortcuts, and the sense of satisfaction you get when you overcome the many challenging encounters the game throws at you. Uh, it was even more challenging and satisfying going solo, too. I'm looking at you, Ornstein and Smo. Oh, man. Yeah, that fight. <laughs> I'm told by basically everyone I know that Dark Souls 2 is just a bit of a shit show, yet I can't wait to sit down and find out just how bad it is. <laughs> I wish you luck on that journey, despite yeah. the fact that it is garbage. We wish you luck. You giant <laughs> toilet <Souls>. man. <laughs> Honorable mentions. Star Fox Zero, Twilight Princess HD, Dragon Dogma, Pokemon Sun, Severed, Shadow Warrior, and Xenoblade Chronicles X. Thank you, folks, for reading my verbal vomit, and thanks to Polly for not beating my ass. <laughs> You're very welcome, Eric. Okay, so I guess I have a list that I can read from our good pal Tom, a.k.a. Jetstorm4, a.k.a. John's boyfriend. <laughs> it goes all the way back. We're throwing it all the way back to season one here. Oh, man, uh, I don't even remember that. Yeah. I like two. that because Raquel's already mad at me about stealing Raiden. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Jetstorm's number three is Tales of Destiny. I finally got a copy of this game after looking for one for year for looking for one for years for half a decent price. Okay, there we go. Uh, in May of this year, I popped it in just to make sure the game actually worked, which it did. Then a week later, I was on. I was at the credits. I love this game, and it has quickly become one of my favorite Tales games. That game's real good. Which one? Tales of Destiny. It's on PS1. Ah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, number two, Zero Time Dilemma. Ooh. I can't talk much about this game due to spoilers, but a fantastic visual novel slash adventure game, wonderful execution of Zero Escape's timeline-based storytelling. Fuck snails. Amen, brother. <laughs> What's wrong with the snails? Snails are... Fuck snails. Okay. Number one, The Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold Steel. This is different from the one other people I've been mentioning. This is a PS3 game, I believe. Once this game got going, I couldn't put it down. Once Tox, Tox, Trails of, okay, Trails of Cold Steel, gotcha, has, <laughs> has a slow start, its characters get the development they need, and the world around the Empire and Erebonia becomes compelling through a politically, through a political heavy storyline about the conflict between the noble and the working classes. And then the ending teased what was to come next. You did it, Falcom. You got me hooked, and I need more Legend of Heroes. Thanks for the entertainment. Thank you for the list, Tom. How about that? How about thank you? God. Oh, yeah. Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of Tom, is just jerk. Just a straight-up jerk, Mo. Oh, yeah. So, John! Yeah? I want to kick us off in. We're going into the top three, dog. Red Zone time. What oh, is your yeah, really... What is your number three game? We're at number 20? three now. We're at number three. Mm. To number three of 2016, John. <laughs> you got to say it. Come on. Oh man. A little bit flushed. All right. Um, it's boyfriend to death. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> When you mentioned that earlier, I'm like, oh, God, that's his game of the year, isn't it? No. <laughs> yeah, you all, y'all were waiting for that. I um, knew this game was going to be on the list. 
Yeah. But, uh, I, mean, I would like you to elaborate on this game more because hearing you okay. talk about this game is the best thing ever. <laughs> okay. Um, so I played Dragon Guard 3 and that made me realize I was bi. Mm-hmm. Um, this... Talking about Boyfriend to Death, which is a visual, a freeware visual novel um, in which you choose between three different boys to meet at a bar... And then go back to their places with, and then they murder you in various ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and torture you, and have non-contextual sex with you. And, yeah, lots of, lots of fun stuff. Um, it's a porn game, very yes. much so. There's I kind of figured that from the whole, the whole sex part. Yes. Um, there are penises, like, in-game, in like, covered in blood. But and boot, well, oh my god. Um, and yeah, so there's a lot, there are CGs, it's, yes, it's very explicit and lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so this game, pro- talking about this game on the SoxCast prompted a lot of, um, self-examination, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and it led to Discord stuff, it led to, um, let's see. It led to thinking a lot about gender and sexuality and really digging deep on the bias stuff and kind of ultimately kind of figuring out non-binary. Um, at least that's what I'm feeling good with right now. Yeah. Um, and just being really frank about getting off on murder porn and being into that. And, and like, that's been it's really okay. Fun. It's okay to, like, have... Like, I think that this game sounds I'm important to you because it, it confirmed to you that it's okay to have your thing. Like, yeah. you're not hurting anybody like nothing that you know about anything that you experience with this game is anything that changes you as a person everybody's allowed to indulge in fantasy everybody's allowed to have the things that their thing you know yeah just like i think that's a i think that's an mbmba m thing was like everybody has their thing (laughs) yeah uh and we i really went in deep on with this stuff with anna this year too and we really kind of figured it out where we both stand and kind of doing the doing the talking about queerness um talking about also doing the discord um beating cool people um figuring out like poly dynamics just figuring out lots of shit i wound up coming out to like my old family um exhaustively with a few of them and because <laughs> that's how i do things is exhaustively yeah that's yeah if, that, if i think john i always think exhausting yeah so like, this is by far the most important game for me this year because of how it... Really, SoxCast 49 is, like, my game of the year, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, of how that prompted... That just... It all just sort of spiraled out of this game where uh, Hot Boy um, makes you eat parts of your skin. Um, it's a very cool thing, and I'm very happy that it led me to talk to y'all about this stuff and then expand well beyond that until just sort of general queerness stuff. And it's really changed me. It sounds liberating. It sounds liberating really. Yeah. I got, I got like new clothes. I like grown my hair out and shit. Mm -hmm. I feel like very self actualizing lately. Yeah. Um, Like if, if Drake guard kicked off the thoughts, I think that this mm -hmm. game likely kicked off the actions. Yeah, like, I've taken a bunch of concrete actions, Mm R.E., queerness this year, that have felt 
so good and i've had like my like heartaches and figuring shit out and i feel like it was all just kind of in a slow burn slow crock pot last year like mm-hmm. with we know the devil yeah um with her tail with steven universe um and then just in general just listening even more so than i have for four years um to just queer artists queer people um figuring figuring this shit out and it feels really good. It's better. It's the best. It's been a really good year for me. A lot of <laughs> and John Fires <laughs> game of the year. <laughs> Boyfriend. Of da- How do you top that? Um, you'll see. Okay. Uh, I mean, I guess, well, it's also, there's also, I came back to it a, a couple months later and the one of the, the snake boy is, is so isn't very good. And it made Aww. me so sad. He's not a good bad boy. Not a good no. bad boy. No, I mean he's not like he's the nicest of them all, which you know is kind of lame. Like it was, he's very easy to manipulate into doing mm-hmm. what you want, which I got that. He's uh, a bad good boy. No, he's <laughs> he's just it's just not as well written because the, the each boy is written by a different artist oh, and yeah. drawn by a different artist, and the snake boy um only has like three expressions and just so like yeah. going through that was bad. Um, I like the deep, the tentacle demon guy. Um, he's good, but um, really, really is just Strahd's root um, by Gato Bob. And I really like her other work. I read her webcomic. This is not romance. And I've been keeping up with the development for boyfriend to death too. Hmm. Um, boyfriend. This is not romance is not torture porn. It is just a legit cool story. Right. 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 Um, Where is this yeah. is torture porn? This is this is like yeah. be very aware. Like if this is something you oh, think yes. you're gonna check out, be very aware of what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, capital T, capital W. Yeah, um, I think I'm pretty frank. I think I've been. I yeah, think, absolutely. Yeah, this is this is the hard stuff. I say sparkly. <laughs> um, it's really cool. Also, that there's this stuff made for queer people now. Absolutely, because like. Figuring it out, this, getting into the stuff as, like, a teenager, it was all just very het, very misogynist yeah. bullshit. Um, and it's, it's so much better now. Cool. And I think that's my, um, uh, Rhett, do you have a number three? How do I transition how do you, out of that? How do you Jeez. top that, Rhett? Uh, <laughs> okay, back to traditional video games i guess okay. you know you, you kids like platformers I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I can play a platformer every now and again between number three super mario run between my no, my, my no, visual no. novels about being tortured with power tools <laughs> but yeah oh i could probably God. i could probably do uh <laughs> i could do I a platformer okay <laughs> My number three is Tearaway Unfolded. All right, I knew this was going to be on here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, this was a game that grabbed me so immediately that, like, I talked about the demo a while yeah. ago. Remember that? And I remember. I the whole game, and I was just like, oh, my God, you guys, it's so good. It's so good, you guys. <laughs> so, like, if you want to hear me talk about the game, really just go back to that other episode where I played the full game and just, there's so much cool creative stuff in this game of just how it manipulates like the PS4 controller. And I have a PS4 and can play it now. Oh yeah. You, you probably should. I do. Yes. I need to get on that. And it's just, it's so wonderfully inventive and fun and like, it's joyous in like a childlike way. Like I haven't felt like 
it gives me like the sense of playing Mario 64 for the first time where like you just want to physically run around this world because it's so pretty and cool and awesome and anything can happen. It's joyous, you know? Yeah. And then I mentioned that the ending of this game. Oh yeah. is like the thing that has made me cry the hardest, like ever. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. And then I want, so I wanted to replay the ending before doing this, but I didn't have the game downloaded. So I was like, ah shit. So like just before this, I loaded it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And I got, like, two words in before crying. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, do you mind if I spoil the ending a bit? I think we can go ahead. I think we've probably reached uh, a bit of a, you know, yeah. statute of limitations. But go right ahead. So, in the game, you play as a messenger. Like, there are these little characters who have envelopes for head. And they're on a mess- on a journey to deliver a message to you, the player. Mm-hmm. Like, you are a character in this world. Mm. So they build it up, deliver the message. You must deliver the message. So you finally finish the game, and, like, the ending scene is real cool where, like, the messenger is in front of you. And I guess on the Vita version, they actually, like, use the camera to put you into the game oh, world. Oh, wow. Really That's fucking cool as shit. Yeah. So that doesn't – so some of the stuff does work better in the Vita version, but I think the intent definitely gets across in the PS4 mm-hmm. version. So you finally deliver the message – and it turns out that the message is the story of the journey itself. Oh, and oh. the character you're playing as, who hasn't talked the entire game, narrates the journey that you both went through from oh. their point of view. Oh my god. And the voice is like a five-year-old girl. Oh. It's That's the sounds... cutest thing I've ever ever seen in a game ever and it just completely breaks me that sounds like like, something that would be so easy to fuck up but they didn't yeah they did it they totally landed it and apparently the vita version doesn't have the voiceover so fuck that version oh wow (laughs) because i was trying to look up the differences and i'm like oh this is just text on the vita that's that misses the point entirely almost yeah so yeah the ps4 version is just how a story and oh. I just lose it. <laughs> oh then, my god. And then I was scared. There was a big monster, but the face in the sky oh. told me it was... They guided me, and they were so <laughs> brave for me. And it's just like, it's so fucking adorable. Oh my god. That's it's so just, fucking it's good. the perfect way to end that game. And like I said before, the game ends with the character saying... You've seen my world now. I want to see yours. I want yours. to see yours. Yeah. And then it pops up with the paper craft to build them that's physically. So, that's it's so fucking like the best ending ever. Yeah. That's goddamn fucking adorable. I think I will. Yeah, I can see how that would be that. touching. I can see how that yeah. would be touching. That's just so absolutely just beautiful. completely. I got so completely blindsided by it the first time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. That's, so that's nice. a special game. That's yeah, I've got to play that. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I think me and John are both sitting here like, "Oh my god, that's yeah. so good." It's I think so I was good. I think I was kind of close coming at the end of my segment anyway. So that's just like, oh, <laughs> just pushes him right over the edge. Oh, so that's <laughs> that's uh, tearway unfolded. Yeah, so Polly, what's better than Mega Dimension Neptunia Victory 2? I've got a Dark Horse entry for you. 
Oh shit! Uh, and it's Dark an actual Dark, Dark Souls three. It's an actual, it's an actual Dark Horse entry this time because it is a game that I have not mentioned much, um, and it is a game that I did play, and a game that I did enjoy quite a bit. Um, you guys remember uh, a little title called Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter? <laughs> oh, this game, if this game was so ahead of its time, it's criminal. If this game was released today as a new thing it would be what everybody's talking about in the RPG genre. It's that fucking incredible. It is set in this very well-realized dystopian, like, underground society where, like, like think Gurren Lagann. You'll get that a lot, especially with some of the character designs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very similar. Like, like um, and the game, like, very explicitly goes out of its way to not be a Breath of Fire game, which is just... Like, the very first character that talks in the game is Ryu. And <laughs> Ryu has always been a silent protagonist. Like, the very, like, you, you press start game, and the first thing you see is a text box from the main character talking. It's that good. But the way this game, like, it its gameplay is married to its world in a very, just a very well-realized way. Because, you know, like, it's this dystopian, like, awful just like the living conditions are terrible and like some of the events that occur throughout the story are just like what this is the worst thing why stop this and um and and that carries over those feelings of just awfulness really carry over into the gameplay because you're always just barely scraping by like there there is no way to min max this game because it's just your saves are limited. You don't get a lot of money. The item drops are random, so you can't just, like, depend on, like, oh, I know where that sword is. I'll go find it. Um, like, there is not a boss battle in this game that did not leave me completely and thoroughly mentally exhausted by the end because the battles play out more like a strategy RPG than they do your typical turn-based, um, like, you know, like, you get your turn, I get mine. Like, that's still a part of it, but there's a lot of... Like, using, like, like where you initiate a combat can determine, like, can completely change the way a battle plays out because, like, it doesn't go to a separate screen. It's just like, okay, the battle's happening here now. And it just drops the enemies in, and, like, all of a sudden it's just like, how do I get my way out of here? Like, how do I get out of this fight? Like, I've put myself in a real shitty predicament here, and running away is very difficult to do. Um... And the boss fights are just so ridiculous with the amount of strategy and planning and the things that you have to do. And then, like, later in the game, it introduces a break system that just, like, completely changes how you have to set up your combos and shit. It's just, like, it keeps you thinking and it keeps you feeling, like, just the awful despair of the world that you're in. Um, And it's, like... It's not a pleasant place to be, and it's not, like... I don't mean it in a bad way when I say that, like, this game is not fun to play. Mm-hmm. Like, this game is very specifically trying to make you feel something a lot different than playing a normal JRPG would. Um, and the story just goes places towards the end that are just... They, they make you think a lot. Um, and, man, 
it's just like everything like John said, like the first year we were doing this, like when he wouldn't shut the fuck up about the game. Hmm. Um, and I borrowed it off of him and finally played it this year. Uh, and then went proceeded to buy my own copy, you know, because I've, I've got to have a game <laughs> like that in my collection. It's just too damn good. Um, but man, like, like, and just like the way that you're put on such a strict time limit, like, you know, like the more you move around in the world or like with every turn that passes in combat, like your life is literally ticking away and you can also speed that up by, you know, using an I win button. Which is like the dragon form of this game is you just go in there, press the I win button, but like you're gonna eat up like ten, twenty percent of your D meter and that's very valuable because like it goes up like by point oh one percent like every ten steps you take. So you learn to start like trying to be frugal with how much you're moving around or do I really wanna fucking do this here or do I really wanna drop this save crystal here? It's just it man, it's Whoa. Brutal. Yeah, it's brutal, but it's brutal in just such a good way. It's so well designed and so well put together. Like, I, I think like if if there was a very clear vision that this mm-hmm. game was set out and created with, and it's so well realized. Like, you know that everybody involved with this project, it just feels like they threw themselves into it to make absolutely sure that these things worked the way that they did and. Like, you know, like, it's true that I did have to restart my first playthrough because I kind of just got real bunged up with item drops and, like, mm-hmm. I just, I wasn't strong enough. Like, I just, I didn't want to try and go back and figure out a solution when the best option was just, like, fuck it, reset. Let's just do it again. I know how to get back here. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I played the game the rest of the way through over the course of, like, four or five days and it was just, like, the most excited I'd been to play a JRPG in a long time. So yeah, cool. that is Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. That is my number three mm. game of the year. Cool. John I think five. it's cool that yeah. I think it's cool that um instead of a timer like Majora's Mask or Dead Rising, yeah. it moves forward only when you're doing things. Yeah. So like yeah. it's your every action that's driving you towards your demise. Yeah, and it's so <sighs> man, like the last few boss fights are just like Man, like, like I remember, like I got to the end, and I think I was at something like forty or fifty percent on my D meter or something, and it's uh-huh. just like, I ha- like this is the most anime fucking thing ever. I'm pressing the goddamn mm-hmm. I win button, and it's gonna feel so good. And then, <laughs> and then more shit happens, and it's even more anime. And it's just like, oh. yeah, it, it kind of goes in like. Like a parody, like in a re- ready direction at the end. <laughs> yeah, it there's really so does. many bosses and so many forms in that last in that climax. And then like the way the climax escalating. resolves, the way yeah, like the escalation is so ridiculous. It's just like D meter, what? Huh? Fuck the D meter. God, if you've played so the game, it really yeah. is Gurren Lagann. It basically is, yeah. <laughs> it just needed more yelling. <laughs> <laughs> if it had more screaming, it'd be perfect. Man. It's Gurren Lagann's best possible self, I think. I absolutely think so. Yeah, <laughs> like, and I think that that game is actually on like the PSN store now, and it can actually is backwards compatible. I think. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah, I think it's definitely on PS3. Through. Yeah, like that game is worth a play uh, if you ever get the chance. Um, I think it's just one of the best goddamn JRPGs ever. I think, and it's just it's so criminal. That it was so ahead of its time. 
Um, mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I think if that game was released now with just, like, the way we kind of look at permadeath and stuff at games now and how it's just like, eh, it's a second nature thing now. It's just accepted that, you know, a yeah. game like XCOM, you're probably not going to beat it your first time. So, you know, like, and then, like, Breath of Fire, you know, like, Dragon Quarter is smart in that, like, yeah, if you've got to replay it, it's a game that still gives you tools to kind of help ease you into that second playthrough. Mm-hmm. Like, there's More cutscenes. Yeah, and there's more cutscenes. out the story. Yeah, like, the 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 more you beat the game and, like, the better you perform, you keep bringing your D-ratio down, and that opens more cutscenes that, like, man, that game goes places. You start learning more and more about the central people that are involved with the story, um, and it's just, man, it's so fucking good. I could, yeah, I can't praise that game enough. And they play organ music during a boss fight. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's best game, yeah. So that is my number three, John Fire. I believe you have a listener list Thank you. all lined up for us. Oh, yeah. This is Frank Parks, who um, I've gotten to see like play a shit ton of really good games on Twitter this year. Oh, really? Like, just tweeting a lot about, oh yeah, I just played this amazing game, and then I followed it up with this amazing game, <laughs> and here's all these amazing games I want to play. And sounds I'm like a real re- positive dude. I'm just really on Frank's web wavelength. Hey, we judging from our chats, they they're kind of on mine. Um, and I've got a fucking great list to read, y'all. All right, well let's hear it. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. All right, number three. Undertale, yes. open parentheses, no mercy, close parentheses. Oh, whoa. I think it's cheat by including a game I played last year, but my experience in the no mercy route was so different from the experience of the main storyline that I believe it deserves to be here. I caved in and did a no mercy route and didn't think I would get much out of the experience since I've already watched so many people play, but I was very wrong. Because most people play a no mercy route in the most efficient way possible. Nobody talks about the betrayal kills and what it's like to play around with those. I didn't try it often, but when I did find scenes like that that were shockingly dark, Undertale allows you to confront very dark human themes in a way I've never seen so effective and personal in a video game. But Undertale's true darkness isn't just what it thinks you're capable of. It's its own view of its world situation narrative is incredibly bleak. Undertale is an existentially bleak game, but it's personally optimistic. It is aware of all we are capable of, capable of all the good intentions in the world. And perfect, perfectly imaginable cruelty. Oh yeah. Mm. Um, I wrote like a two thousand word essay over like four months and posted <laughs> it on my blog. That's basically just reaction to that No Mercy route. Oof. It's 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 woof. Yeah, like it's when we rough. did the Undertale spoiler cast, and you were talking a lot more about that game's fucking that, that, that specific route was just like I don't ever want to do that because mm. I'm a yeah. nice person. Yeah, and what it only and it only works because Undertale's like other routes are just, you know, best game ever. Yes, basically. yeah. <laughs> so, and the game begs you not to do this. Yeah, it oh, really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. There is no, I have no interest in like the, in um, I've seen a couple people like, oh, you need to play that because so that you get the character, get more knowledge of the characters, and fuck you. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. <laughs> no, I'm fine. Thanks. Don't someone, judge. Don't just so, don't. So, yeah. Someone might be watching over us right now. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Number two, Doom 2016. Man. Doom was a surprisingly smart character action game that reinterprets itself around the cultural idea of Doom. The mechanics, rhythms, and sound design are all an effort to vicariously understand and adopt the Doom guy mentality. That narrative was attached to one of the most fun games I've ever played. Doom's combat is fast and frantic, its weapons versatile and moddable, and the balance of power between you and the demons is always changing. The key to the game's success is the tactical monster AI and the glory kills, which acts as a regen mechanic similar to Revengeance and Bloodborne, and it's more effectively used here than in those games. Hmm. Everything people have said about the combat in edge shooters being similar to a dance with a partner felt more applicable here than any shooter I've played by them. Over the years, it has become increasingly hard for me to enjoy video games because of my depression, but Doom was some of the purest fun I've had with a video game in years, and that alone makes it special. Fuck yeah. This game sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. I think I'm getting it for Christmas. Nice. Cool. Alright. Okay. Y'all ready for a real good number one pick? Let's hear it! It's a real good number one pick. Alright. Number one... um, 2013, uh, Problematic by Liz Ryerson. Oh, my God. Um, this was on my game of the year list when it came out. Yes, it was. Um, Problematic was the most impressive game I played this year because its ability to convey complex, terrifying, and painful concepts and emotions through abstract design and mechanics is something I've never seen accomplished so effectively from a video game. The soundtrack is amazing and contributes immeasurably to the experience, and Liz Ryerson should be commended for her work. It is terrifying the first time through. At points, it got as panic panic and paranoia-inducing as the best horror games I've ever played. What I thought Problematic did, um, like no other, was how it felt like a journey through a psychological open wound. The experience (laughs) and the game itself felt malicious at times and meditative at others. It aspires to heal. Problematic showed me like no other what the expressive power of a single individual can do in this medium. Very nice. I haven't re- I haven't replayed this game. <laughs> um, it sounds like I'm it not... might be a difficult one to play through. <laughs> um, because I-, I played it, there was no walkthrough online or anything, mm-hmm. and the act of struggling through it was so. Um, this is me talking. Um, so. Uh, painful right over like it took like five or six hours um for you know a fairly short 2d puzzle platformer game mm-hmm. um and i'm not i don't remember any of the solutions because the they don't make logical sense <laughs> um so the idea of trying to struggle through it again just sounds so so difficult mm-hmm. um i mean as a as a mechanical challenge but mostly just because that that mechanical challenge is inseparable from the emotional state that the game is trying to impress upon you and that emotional state is not cheery yeah it sounds like it that whole you know journey through it a psychological open wound <laughs> was a little bit on the nose there yeah so it's a rough it's a rough thing and it's a very good very important piece of art i think so not gonna fault anyone who doesn't dig into problematic but it's a very touching and important game to me and i'm really glad frank um, Frankie, uh, played through it. Nice. Nice. So, I've got another reader list. It's from our good pals, Laws, who I believe... Hell yeah! I believe you guys did a podcast that one time and then never did another one. 
That's true. Yeah. I had a little thing on my like complete list of works on my blog, mm -hmm. and I had that under recurring, and then I finally moved <laughs> that down to not just Not recurring. <laughs> oh, boy, that went... You guys, at least I can say the Album Listening Club is more active than SNS Guidance. <laughs> Hey, guess what? <laughs> Y'all listen to like forty-five minute albums. We were like, let's play th all play through a whole JRPG and then talk about let's it. Let's fucking play Lagoon. Let's play bad JRPGs <laughs> and then talk about them. See, I think that fucking has that. merit. I just wish you would actually follow through and do it more. I thought that was it's a weird. good episode. Anyway, a... anyway, all right. This is our boy Zalaz. His number three is Princess Melody in a World of Hurt. Most of the charm, oh, cheese, and silly references of a NEP game in about one twentieth of the runtime. Yeah, I watched. I, I streamed that game with Boner once. I was uh, I was his co-com, and it was oh, the game was so adorable. Number two is I'm gonna feed my ego here. Number two is Poly Mario Brothers. <laughs> this is still one of the crunchiest Mario hacks I've played. Takes the cake for the most satisfying game clear, dude. I. I don't even know what to say. Thank you very much. I'm very, I'm very proud of uh, that game. A couple of flaws I'd really love to have gone back and patched up. I'd, I actually planned an anniversary edition that added a new world and went back and changed a couple things, but I never got around to it. So. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to revisit games that you put out. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just gonna leave it as is. It's like, you know, yeah, I, I'm happy with that thing. Is it is? That's it's, usually always the right choice in my experience. Yeah. It was a fun thing to do, and I'm glad that uh, Zalaz. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm, that that being on your list really caught me by surprise. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, and it's number one, Undertale. Man, I think Undertale's like kind of making a case for itself again this year <laughs> with the number of lists it's on. Right, you're gonna have to do a count at the end of this. I, yeah, I will. <laughs> Oh, okay, the number one, Undertale. This game may have evoked uh, just every emotion from me in both playing it and watching people play it. This game is precious. You're not wrong. I still love watching people play that game. Yeah. Like, if like a friend of mine is streaming it for the first time, even though I know that game in and out, I love seeing people's first reactions to that game. Yep. They're, they're just always yep, yep. so cute. Like, I remember watching Patrick Klepek play through it. It was the most adorable thing. Just his reactions to everything were perfect. And he's got runners-up, Neptunia Rebirth 1, and Shovel Knight. So, that's a pretty damn solid list. Alright, John. What's yeah. your number two game of 2016? <laughs> yeah, that means poop. It does! <laughs> it really does. Well, my poop game is anything but. It is, alright. My number two game is, bar none, the best game I played all year. It is basically oh my God. perfect and I think kind of self-evidently a masterpiece. I think anyone that's played it, I, I've never heard anyone who's played it say basically anything to the opposite effect. And that's Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Boom! Oh. Knocks it out I, of the fucking park. I need to play this so bad. You do? Yeah. You I just realized that. I've never heard anyone shit on this game. Yeah, this Like, everyone game. that's played it is like, yeah, oh yeah, that's really, really, really good, is Ghost Trick Phantom Detective. Fucking flawless. Um, yeah, it's Shu Mikami's? Mikami's? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Phoenix Wright author um, made this game. It's a one-off game, no completely self-contained story. And it's, and it's just this perfect little story. It's really funny. Um... 
it's gorgeous. It's a mystery. Um, you're a goat. You're you're a ghost, and there are little puzzles where you can move around objects, and they're linked by li- move, move between possessing objects and make the objects do things in the world. Yeah, and you're like and trying to um, either accomplish goals or prevent things from happening. Yes, um, there's some time travel stuff, and there's a lot of talking and dialogue and visual novel aspects as and well. And it's very, very well written. Like, the it's characters very... just, just fucking jump out at you. They're so good. Mm-hmm. And all the characters that feel like one-off incidental characters turn out to be hugely important. Yeah, like anything but. This is just the most... It's one of the most tightly written narrative games I've ever played. This... It's just... Yeah. Just completely... Every time I thought I was one step ahead of the game, it was way ahead of me. Yeah, um, yeah. As I was closing out the game, I just remember like the ending of the game and being like, "Well, wait a minute, there's that one open end," and then oh, they wrap it up perfectly in a way that's really touching. Yeah, and this it's just a um, game that was made to be a singular thing. Like it was never built to be a franchise. It was written to have a yeah, start like last... and definitive end. And man, does it just nail it! Yeah, it's like. The last hour and a half, I was just sobbing continuously, which I know is a, th- a theme on our <laughs> That's kind podcast. of a theme of everything John experiences. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I do that what? too. That was mine. <laughs> but you know what? There's different levels of quality of cry. Mm-hmm. Like, I cried through a lot of Moana. That was a pretty... That was like a Z-tier cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the the cry I had with Ghost Trick, just s s S plus plus. plus plus tier cry. Um, I felt just so satisfied finishing this game up. And it is, yeah, it's basically perfect. I think everyone should play this game. Um, it's on iOS. It's on DS. It's the D- it's a DS game. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking play Ghost Trick. If yeah. you like Phoenix Wright, what are you doing? Yeah. This is like that guy's best This thing, is like probably. that, but way better. Yeah. <laughs> And completely self-contained, mm-hmm. and everyone should play Ghost Trick. Yeah. Do you know if the phone version loses anything from the original? Not to my knowledge, and that's the version I played. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, so the phone, phone yeah. version solid. Like it's not like it's not like a nine 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 situation. That's yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, where they get completely cool. gutted the puzzles and stuff. This is yeah, this sounds like a pretty solid port. Yep, and um. Yeah, and it's like $10, I think, to buy all the chapters. You can play the first two free. That's pretty oh, good, because that game, those games' chapters are pretty long. Yeah, it's a meaty-ass demo mm-hmm. for our fucking amazing game. Um, I think I played the first half and then put it down for a couple weeks and then picked it up again and then just blazed through to the end. Yeah, it's so yeah. solid. Brett, you've got the means to play this game. You absolutely yeah. do, too. I should. Yep. All right, that's Ghost Trick Fan Protected, my number two game of the year. Rhett, what's your poo-poo game of the year? Uh, well, it's definitely not poop. So a couple things I want to... Two things I want to say before going into this. Uh, that this is the hardest I've ever <laughs> thought about my game of the year oh, choices. Wow. <laughs> Hard. Like, these two, these top two games for me battled it out for, like, the majority of the year. It's like a knockdown, drag-out, like... Yeah, I just... I like both of them pretty equally, so it was really tricky to... 
I very, came very close to just being like, number one is two games. <laughs> oh. But Polly would not nope. let me do that. Nope, I will not. Will not budge. So, it's a one and a two. All right. And the other thing is that, remember last year when all the user lists I just put, was doing Undertale number one, Undertale number one, Undertale number one. Yeah, yeah. Like, we were building towards something. <laughs> and I came and then along. Polly, and then Polly goes, my number two is Undertale. <laughs> and I'm just like, ah. So basically, I thought I was about to do that to Polly just now. Mm-hmm. Because my number two is Mega Dimension Neptunia Victory 2. <laughs> wow. Man, I cannot think of what your number one will be at all. Yeah. So, so man... I really like this game, but I really just could not forgive that middle slump. Yeah. It's such, it's such a shame. It really is. Because the first and third acts are like perfect. Yeah. They're solidly paced. And there's a slump in the middle that sucks. It's such a hump to get over. It really is. Uzume is such a good character though. And like, I, so I've talked about how much I love the true ending of this game. Mm Mm-hmm. Replayed the true ending again a couple days ago. Yeah, and cried yeah. a bunch more again. It's so good. And like, there are just so, so many little good. moments in that ending. Like, there's yeah. there's the one Umio line that you mentioned. Yeah. That just, oh god, it completes the character development. It does. It does. It's so like, perfect. It is the final key to her character. Yeah, and it's just like when everything kind of clicked for me. Yeah. I know there's it's a there's gorgeous such great moment. dialogue. It's a gorgeous there's moment. such great dialogue towards the end where like Uzume's like all eyes on me, this is my final moment stuff and like Yeah. Nep being like, You said we'd see the happy ending together. Oh god. And Uzume oh. going, You are seeing the happy ending with me. Oh. <laughs> it is the most anime of all anime stuff. But it's it like, the, uh, it's such a genuine moment, though. Yeah. They built and to it, it so well that it sticks. Yeah, they, they totally earn it. They totally play it straight. Like, this is much more a dramatic game than others in the series. Yeah. And the soundtrack. So that's the other thing that almost cinched this for number one for me is that I keep listening to the soundtrack because it's just it's so good. Yeah. Like, all those new tracks, all the vocal themes yeah, and stuff. They're all just, real fucking good. Those final boss themes, like, with, I think it's Nobu Umatsu's band doing some yeah, of them. Yeah, Like, those hard rock themes mm-hmm. are so good. Like, but and, man, that middle chapter is a drag. Oh, yeah. It's why I had the, like, it's why I gave the nod to Breath of Fire over, uh, yeah. over this game. Take it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still... Like, number two is no slouch. Like, no, I still no. Really, really it's like this game. This game, like, we talk a lot about the slump and that it's bad, but... It's not awful. It's not it's the just... worst thing in the world. It's just when you compare it to the first and third yeah. acts, it just does not cut it. Yeah. I think this game has the highest highs, but it doesn't have the lowest lows yeah, of... Yeah, of Rebirth but it too. De- but it gets a little close, maybe. Just a little. Just a hair. Just like the noir arc and the blonde arc are just kind of yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, even those have their moments. Maybe the blonde arc is probably actually the worst one. Yeah. Because they all just they just kind of blur together, too, like those storylines. Yeah, and it's like, like the whole Golden Third thing. They're just not just, interesting. Yeah, they just didn't 
really develop them as they needed to. No. But like, man, that third arc and the heart, the heart root specifically oh, is man. so good. Oh, 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 oh. And so, and so funny when they have everybody together and they're making jokes with Umio there and Big Nap and Big Nap is real good too. Oh my God. She's like character of the year. If, if Uzume isn't. Yeah. But and, yeah, that's fucking that's... Umio. Umio is best fucking Umio. Fish. Best male character. Best male character in an Epic game. Yeah, that's not a hard. He's such a sweetheart. I love him to death. I know. His character seems like a joke at first, though, and then he ends up being, like, the biggest sweetheart and, yeah. like, real great addition to the cast. Yeah. And just, like, and like, like like we said, that final line that mm-hmm. he has is so. And I'm not implying that he dies. No, that's not no. it. It's just he says a thing that is during just, like. During the final boss. That during is... the final boss, that is the perfect key to yeah. why Uzume's character finally fucking clicks. Yeah. And that that whole final boss sequence is like it's so simple but effective and it's just yeah. like I keep thinking of this game as like the Undertale of Neptunia games. It really kind of is. I mean Even there though, are, there like, are parallels, you know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I quite like Mega Nep. Yeah, that game just just not number 1 enough. Oh, it's so man. Unfortunate, but that 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 game's still really fucking great. Yeah, I mean, we dedicated an entire spoiler cast to it, and we yeah. wouldn't do that as something. Those I, I almost think the spoiler cast is actually what lost it number one for me, though. Yeah, where I was like, man, that that middle chapter really does drag, huh? Yeah, we kind of like we really examined that shit. We really kind of tore into that game. But that's yeah, because I think that's the thing with a lot of games is that you kind of remember the good parts and then wash away the bad. Yeah, so I. I was very conscious of not letting my myself do that this time. Yeah, yeah. Which is maybe a little unfair to the game, but... Maybe, but it's just like when you've got a first and third act that are that strong, it's just like, yeah. how could you not have put some more time into that second arc? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It needed it. <laughs> so yeah, Mega Nep. Yeah. No surprise to very, anyone that it's this high very, on anybody's list. Yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. So, I guess that leaves my number two. And uh, like, I'm going to pull the John is a fucking cheater card. Oh, and Ooh, uh, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm going to put. Oh shit. I'm going to list uh, two games as my number two. <laughs> my number two is Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc and Danganronpa Two Goodbye Despair. <laughs> These Such games. A meme this year. If the users are allowed to do it, Polly's allowed yeah, to do exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. It's my podcast, and I'll cheat if I want to. Uh, but I've always tried to refrain from doing it. And with this, it was just too hard. Like, I cannot decide which is better. There's literally no way. Like, I love them both equally, and they are both essential to one another. They're so joined at the hip, even though they are so vastly different in a lot of ways in terms of their story and and the characters, you know, it's a completely different set of characters in the second game, but that's there's a really important reason for all of this. And uh, that's why I'm pick, putting both games here at number two. And um, <clears throat> I think, for one, uh, Alexander mentioned earlier uh, about these games that, like, he, he got to play these games at a time when uh, he thinks that he really needed them. And I think that that happened to me as well, especially with the second game. Uh, I got to play that kind of, like, in the, like while I was going through... Uh, some really not great times, and that game, like, 
getting to kind of be part of a world that was way different from my own, especially with the way that Danganronpa 2 is not grounded in reality at fucking all. Like, that game is just absurd and fucking silly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that's another big part of the reason why those games are really important is because, you know, they got me through some shit. Um, but from the gameplay standpoint and like what these games are, I like, I've been tired of the Phoenix Wright formula for a while and immediately this game kind of just like smacks you upside the face with how not Phoenix Wright it is, even though they're very similar. Um, for one, it just has an, an immense sense of style. Like it kind of like grabs you by the face, smacks you around with this crazy pop art style from the jump. Um, and it's just kind of like, imagine like seeing the, like the Persona 4 opening, like for the first time and just how stylish that is and just how, oh yeah like in this entire, like both of these games are that, like they're just this wild and crazy style that is exaggerated and like the stories are exaggerated in the same way, but they still have a grounding in reality that makes them believable. And both cast of characters are just incredibly strong and, like, you want to be invested in each and every one of their stories because they're also very well thought out and fleshed out. Except Teru Teru. Fuck Teru Teru. Um, <laughs> but they all have really good stories. And, and, like, even though you know that, like, at any moment, one of these characters could be fucking just snatched away from you. Because death is just, like, these games are merciless with your feelings. Yeah. Like, they do not care. Like, they're trying to tell a story, and, like, if X character needs to go, they're going to do it. And they're going to move the plot forward, like, and, like, they make you, like, like a big theme of these games is, like, hope and despair. And I think the game does a lot to actually make you feel those emotions as it plays through. Like, I was crying like a bitch at the end of Danganronpa 2. Because of, like, the things I had, like, to want, like, it's like, the things that I realized were happening were like, no, 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 this, this is not how this is happening. And then the game makes you make the decision. It's just like, and you have to make, like, you have to be the one to sort of, quote unquote, press the button to make this, to make the story advance. And it just fucking gutted me. I hated every moment of it. I was, set, I was sitting there at five in the morning crying like a goddamn bitch because of these stupid anime characters and what they were doing and saying. I was like, fuck you, game, you piece of garbage. I love you so much. <laughs> but, I mean, I think just, like, in terms of, like, what they also do with their gameplay style and, like, how the trials aren't just, like, this really dry court thing and, like how they're just like the cases are so eloquently put together they're just very meticulous with the details in terms of what you're paying attention to and what you're not paying attention to and then you have the mini games to kind of like break things up a bit so that you're not just like staring at menus the whole time it's just it is a really really fucking great series and i can't say enough great about it i'm super stoked for uh danganronpa v3 uh, coming out, I'm b going to be buying that on the PS4. I'm not waiting on a PC release for that. Like, I'm just going to be there day one. <laughs> um, so, is that a third game, even though the anime happened? Well, the uh, Danganronpa V3 is an entirely different setting and entirely different characters. Okay. But Monokuma gotcha. is somehow still involved. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Everybody's favorite bear. He's so huggable. Don't you just want to hug him? I heard. I heard if I heard uh, if uh, you tap that fluffy ass. Tap that fluffy ass. 
an actual line of dialogue. <laughs> oh lord. Monokuma is just oh man, he's so good as it's not even like an antagonist a lot of the time. It's just like he's there to over kind of see to like oversee things, but he has to play by the rules too. So he can't just like intentionally fuck with things and and lie or like not give you the information you need. Like he's got it like for for some reason he has to play by the rules, and you know he he is also bound by like the same rules that the students also have to go through. Um, but yeah, just really great courtroom drama, great character interactions, wonderful just little stories about like getting to know the characters when you have free time. It's kind of like social linking in a way. Where you go around, you like give people presents, and then you learn more about them through talking to them, and they become closer to you, and like that stuff's really, really cute and cool and awesome. Like, man, just go play Danganronpa, man. It's real fucking good. That is that is uh, mm, that's my number, number two. two. That's my number two. Uh, John Fire. Oh shit! I heard you got <laughs> one of them there. Listener list for me. I do have a list. In really? fact, this list that I have for uh-huh. y'all is Rainiac's list. Oh, the fake British guy that's actually from <laughs> that's actually fucking from Vermont. Oi, governor! I've got a list off a series of video games. <laughs> <laughs> Ruse of the year: Rainiac pretending that he's British. <gasps> Number three. Um, little game you might have heard of, Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. Hey, that was, man, that game's making a show mm. too, huh? It really is. Well, I realize it's overdone to compare video games to Dark Souls. I've never gotten closer to Dark Souls. Reimagining 2D as Momodora, right down to the limited ability to heal yourself at will. Really tight controls, stylish graphics, and some tough but well-designed boss fights add up to a challenging yet deeply satisfying adventure. I mean, it sounds like this game was pretty inspired by Dark Souls and at this Absolutely. It's probably okay. Yeah. It's okay to compare games to their inspirations. Yeah. Um, number two, a game I have not heard of. Life Goes On, Done to Death. Um, Life Goes On was already a fun and imagined a puzzle platformer, but this year's expansion added a fourth world full of brain-bending challenges as well as hats and other accessories for your brave knights to wear as you drive them to their brutal deaths. Oh, yeah. This another. is the game where you, like, you're in control of like a group of knights and like yeah. you have to like make them kill themselves for you. In order to like clear platforms and shit, like you've got to like cool. they've got to throw themselves on like a bed of spikes so you can get across. It's real fucking cool. This sounds fantastic. <laughs> this game's morbid sense of humor really speaks to me. Although that might tell you more about me than the game. <laughs> Number one. Oh man, I re- I thought about including this one. I, I finished it in December last year, so it was after the Sox cast. Mm-hmm. It's fucking amazing. Number one, Downwell. Great it may game. well, it may not be the best game I played in 2006, but it's by far the most fun I've had playing a game in 2006. So I guess my vote for game of the year. This you played <laughs> that, it in 2006. I mean 16. Yeah, I meant all 16. Um, just that's that's pretty funny. The action is fast paced and unrelenting. It only costs two dollars, and you can get a ridiculous amount of content for that price. It's something I love to play during a lunch break or, or a lunch break. Lunch break. Lunch break. <laughs> <laughs> it's falling apart again or a spare 20 minutes in the evening um downwell down all right john speaking Downwell's the game i kind of kept coming back to in my head is like oh yeah platformers can be good when i kept playing a bunch of like like when i replayed super mario world and whatnot yeah and i was yeah. like 
Oh, do I just hate this genre? And then, oh no. And Downwell's like, fuck, no you don't. You strap some lasers to your feet and go, dog. Yup. I got shotgun boots, bitch. Platformers <laughs> don't have to be boring. Platformers can be amazing. And yeah. Downwell's like the recent example of that, I yeah. think. Rhett's just waiting for this $2 game to go on sale. I have Downwell. Oh, you do? So you're not a complete yeah. piece of garbage. I think I bought it on sale. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're a... Oh my god, you're a garbage person! <laughs> Don't make fun hey. of people's monetary situations. <laughs> I'm not doing that. <laughs> hey, Rhett. I think you've got a list to read. I do. I have a big old list from Big Old Boner. Big Old Boner, our dog! Our number four right here, buddy. Yep. With Big I, save, I saved this one for last on purpose. You'll uh, you'll see why. Okay. 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 But first, number three, Hotline Miami 2, wrong number. Yes! It took me longer than most to get caught up in the short but brutally sweet Hotline Miami. So after I finally took a stab at it. <laughs> I immediately picked up its sequel and to scratch that my top-down tactical assassination action itch. Holy shit! Was I blown away by everything this game had to offer. There are some doozies of levels here that had me gnashing my teeth to the root, namely making your way up the floors of the office building in Death Wish and the levels where you get to play as the pacifist writer Evan. Those were so good. Can we just draw attention to gnash my teeth to the root? Because that's a pretty... That's pretty good. Image. That's, yeah. pretty, that's pretty heavy metal imagery there. Yeah. Jesus. The narrative is much more cerebral this time, interweaving timelines and faking out the player with presentation conceits like VHS tape rewinds and film burns, never quite giving all the answers in a taut package. Hotline Miami... Hotline Miami 2's themes of societal decline and mass psychosis left me thinking someone at Denaton is it Denaton? Yeah, it's Denaton. Denaton must be a Satoshi Kon fan. Yeah. Themes I can assure have no bearing on the current world affairs whatsoever. <laughs> oh, and it has a killer ha soundtrack to boot. Uh, I see what he did there with that killer and stab thing because that's yeah, what you right. do in Hotline Miami. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> number number two, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse. By not holding them, themselves to the transformation gimmicks of the first two Shantae games and vastly improving on the overall level design, except for the whole goddess temple thing, fuck that part, <laughs> WayForward Way finally knocked it out of the park with Pirate's Curse. The abilities from Pirate Relics lend, them, lend themselves to some fun, simple pl puzzle platforming, Diversing the stages doesn't feel like much of a chore, and there's a level select screen now, too, to make backtracking easier. Th this one's a bit of an odd duck for a series in terms of gameplay elements, and it's all the better for it. The recently completed Half-Genie Hero looks like it's returning to the classic formula, but I hope it takes some of the improvements from Pirate's Curse and runs with them. Yeah. Real talk, though, that Half-Genie one looks really, really great, and it mostly by that, really it just does. means it looks just really horny. And I really appreciate the ways that it's horny. He's not wrong. There's a lot of imagery. Uh, this, I might I've actually seen. want to play a Shantae game. <laughs> I want to play uh, Pirate's Curse. Yeah, that uh, would seem that really game, good too. This, this one sounds really good, too. Oh, yeah, because the Shantae games seemed really boring to me from a distance, but they seem like they've kind of stumbled onto they've I think stumbled they're on something finding cool. their way. Yeah. yeah. For and the way is, they... like, mermaids strapped up on, like, factory... <laughs> 
Oh my god. They've been finding their way since the fucking Game Boy Color. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's taken them a while. Okay, so for his number one, I'm going to read the words exactly as written. Okay. (laughs) But I'm going to add some intonation so you know what we're going for here. Okay. Number one. Lesbians. (laughs) I went into lesbians with with some trepidation i hadn't even heard of the game before the looking too hard at butts in dev blogs controversy and i didn't participate in the beta but the character variety and streamlined multiplayer fps action captured my attention with enough enough for a launch date purchase since i haven't played a multiplayer shooter in years i feared i was more in the love more in love with the idea of lesbians (laughs) than than any actual gameplay enjoyment I was going to get out of it. <clears throat> However, I managed to get into the groove of an online FPS that can equal, be equally enjoyed with random strangers or a group of buds who share your love of lesbians. <laughs> with such a varied range of playstyles and niches to fill in a team dynamic, I would recommend lesbians <laughs> to anyone who feels like they can't keep pace with the overcompetitiveness of modern first-person shooters. And even if the gameplay isn't your bag, there's a rich fandom surrounding the awesome and unique characters with diverse personal- diverse personalities, body types, and cultural representation, a.k.a. lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was good. So I think he was actually talking about Overwatch. I think that might have been it. Yeah, just in case you missed it. Yeah, might have. Yeah, I... But when I... I first saw that email, I went, what What the fuck? What did you play? And then I had to, had to read it a little closely. I'm like, oh, I, I get it. <laughs> did we read 23 user lists? 24. 20... Yeah, a lot. The first two were super short, yeah. though. They didn't have uh, blurbs. Okay, Rhett, I'm going to say something right now. Oh, You did actually... this, what? Yeah, go ahead with your bit first. Oh, go ahead. Because I was going to say... <laughs> You did something to me last year that I'm going to do to you. I'm pulling rank, and you're uh-huh. going first. Okay, but before that, I will go first. Mm-hmm. But before that, I forgot. It's time for Wifey of the Year. Oh, shit. 2016. All right. Oh, Consider this. And our candidates. So, our candidates are anyone ever, basically. Okay. How so, many wifeys? Oh, sorry, I dropped for a second. Okay. How many wifeys? Just top one. All right. Damn. Wifey of the year. This is very competitive. So I held a poll on my Twitter Mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. It was Big Nap versus Uzume, Mm -hmm. both from Mega Dimension Neptunia. And Big Nap won the popular vote. Oh, wow. But what I didn't mention is that that is actually just an advisory vote for the Erectoral College. So I only have to take that poll into consideration when I cast my vote, and thus I am casting my first vote for Uzume as Wifey of the Year. Uh, do I get a vote? Nope. The other uh, vote comes okay. from Chelsea, who also votes for Uzume, so Uzume is Wifey of the Year <laughs> okay. 2016. All right. Hey, I'm, uh, o- I'm wanted... okay with that. 
right. Can I can I make a, my advisory vote? Sure. Fucking lightning. Yeah, lightning's lightning returns. How was that this year? I don't know. It's not like we're including everyone ever. Okay. Oh, I just thought you meant personal wifeys. Also, so I was just like set, getting myself well, set up. Well, that was Rat was holding a general election. Okay. Yeah, Uzume is the official Sox oh, people sexy. She the, won the popular that. vote she, and the electoral vote. No, she did. She actually she actually didn't win the she popular didn't win the vote. Popular. So big, oh, wow. big controversy. Big Nep won the oh, popular wow. vote. Do you think uh, she? Do you think Big Nep's gonna call a recount? I don't think so. There'd be no reason to do that. Nah. Yeah. She's Lightning. she's cool with Uzume winning, really. Probably. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Find out. Lightning's my wifey of the year, and I'm Strahd's wifey of the year. <laughs> oh God. All right. <laughs> All right, Rhett, pull and rank. Okay. You're going first. I will say, I don't know what your number one is because I thought it was going to be Danganronpa of one and two. Wow. So we're both in Uncharted territory here. Oh, this is And my game of the year is Uncharted 4. Just kidding. Oh, my my God. (laughs) My my game of the year is Mighty Number 9. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what you call a callback in the comedy business, folks. Yeah. Okay. Okay, no jokesies now. Okay. I, I said my one and two fought it out for a very long time. Yes. My number one is Hyper Dimension Neptunia Rebirth 3 V Century. Fucking what? What? Wow. I did not see that coming. Cool. I played. I finished it this year. I know, but I just did not see that coming. Cool. Wow, I mean, that's a damn fine choice. I'm going to say. I think it's very slightly better than Meganep. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because I just this. So last year, my or last year, Neptunia Rebirth one was my number six. Yes. Like that. That's in the games that don't matter category. Yeah. And even though I I actually really like that game, but then Rebirth three was the revelation for me really it's the game that made me like a fan of the series for life yeah like it turned me from fan to like super fan yeah super annoying we we went hardcore super gay for the series uh uh, this year with this game yeah and i think it was because of this game specifically very specifically that really kicked it off i need to play this game well earnest you really do john it's real good and i just think like Storyline-wise, like, this isn't the big drama that Meganep is, but it's a very humorous one. And, like, this game's really, really funny, is it what really I really It really is! Like, like, it's genuinely funny. Like, something that I think the first two games kind of, like, they're good at, but I think that a lot of times that they just kind of fall flat uh, as well. And I think that, consistency-wise, I think yeah. Rebirth 3 is just so consistently good. It's really funny and it's really dumb, but I went so f- for game of the year. I went through like all the screenshots I had taken in both Meganep and Rebirth Three, and like the Rebirth Three ones were just making me laugh all over again. Yeah, because I had like screenshotted like entire conversations because yeah. they were so good. I did the same thing, and it's just like this game is so like perfectly tuned to my dumb sense of humor. Yeah, where it's too it's focuses on two things like repetition of running gags yes and sex jokes yeah and like, 
Like Man, the first and that thing game, you, that game's got some crazy fucking good sex jokes. It go, it might go a bit too far with some of them. Just like, a smidge. I do admit this game does get repetitive because it is the longest nap game, but like, again, the repetition is what makes it funny to me because they drive some of these puns so far into the ground that they become funnier again. Yeah, yeah, it's. <laughs> That game's real fucking good. It's got a great sense of just comedic yeah. timing and comedic writing. Like, yeah, like through Plutia. The trans- yeah, oh my god, Plutia. Plutia is hilarious. Yes! Like, they, like, there's two jokes they set up really early on. One is that Noir has no friends, and the, the other is that Plutia, like, will believe anything Nep tells her. Yes! <laughs> so, one of her first lines is like, Wow, Noir, I had no idea you had no friends. <laughs> And then the whole game is her, them riffing off, like, those two jokes over and over and over to where, like, one of the final lines in, like, the normal ending is, Wow, Uni, I had no idea you were a cockroach. It's, just, <laughs> it's completely absurd. It really is. And then, yes, all the sex jokes, like, Noir's tantalizing targets. Like, oh, my they go God. So far yeah. and so dirty. Noir, or not Noir, Iris Hart is like talking about finishing the enemy off. Oh, wink, my wink. God. It's, it's so dirty in a great way. And there's that fucking water slide line that's just like, wow. That was, was that Mega Nap actually? I don't think, no, because that was on a stream when Samurai Karasu was on. Oh. Yeah, this this game's real horny in the way these yeah, ones aren't, yeah. I think, though. If you want to play a horny fucking game, like, this is a horny fucking game. <laughs> it really yeah. is. Iris Hart just... Oh my god, she's it. like... She just wants to take it. Yeah. <laughs> she's going to get it, whether you want her to or not. <laughs> you don't know it yet, but you are already her property. <laughs> and you are also very happy being said <laughs> property. I like, just as much as... Good. <laughs> Iris Hart's what got me to play Mega Nep 1. Uh, Nep 1. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to play... I thought that was enough, just having her in the party. Like, you need to play this game. For yeah, her. this she... game, like, where she is a full-on, like, main character. And, like, her and Neptune are just so perfect together. It's just, yeah. like, two big idiots together. <laughs> like, what could go wrong? <laughs> I loved this game when they were like, Hey... Let's go take a nap in another nation. Yeah. And like... have to go through a dungeon through these mountains to get to this other nation. It's like... Yeah, and you do the dungeon. You have to do the dungeon to go yeah. there. And when you get there, it's just like, why are you here? We want to take a nap. <laughs> like, this game gets absurdist humor in a way the others don't. Where, like, they literally go... And then ten years later, at a couple points... Yeah, there are time jumps that are just like, what? Wait, what's going on? Like, the game actually starts in 1985 and goes to 2002. Like, it it is so... And, like, that ties into the whole video game parody stuff that the other games really don't do a ton of. And the way they tie in the main antagonist to that story is so fucking genius. Yeah, like, this game is also the most about the video game history than all of the others. Yeah. Like, the whole timeline, like, because it starts out with Blonde being the only CPU, and she represents Nintendo, and then Sega and Sony bust onto the scene and kind of take her down, and, like, it's actually kind of doing a pretty good parallel of 
how that actually events. played out. Yeah. Yeah. And then Xbox joins the scene and everyone, cause it, it's Japan focused. So everyone's like Xbox. What a joke. <laughs> garbage. Vert's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> I do like her outfit in Rebirth 3 though. Yeah. I've seen that. It's good. Yeah. They made her boobs even bigger. They, they did. <laughs> they did. I know. I know. And the other thing is, even though this is like a much more humor focused games than Meganep, like this one still has some really powerful emotional beats. Like, like Pishi and Neptune's yeah, friendship whole... is the most precious thing and must be protected. Like, yeah, they are the so whole Pishi fucking... arc. Oh my god, really great! Like that was the first time I'm like, I'm I'm crying in a Nep game. Like What's this is not on? supposed to happen. What the fuck? And then like in the anime, they drive that whole subplot home even in, in an even bigger way. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Rebirth 3. I cannot argue it's, with that. It's so good. And then I'm going to admit, one of my favorite things is how much they just shit on Nepgear the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I'm looking through my screenshots, and one of them is Vert going, you, the protagonist of the game? <laughs> <laughs> and then, the, like, the normal ending. Oh, my being God. Incredibly mean to her. Oh my god! Just like the fun, hardest I've ever laughed in a series is when, <laughs> when you diverge and go on the normal ending, and Nepgear gets, gets left. completely shut the fuck out. Yep. Oh man, can't argue with that. That's a damn good choice. Yeah. I just I really like Meganet, but I think this game is just like it means more to me because it's the one that like flip the super fan switch yeah it flipped the super yeah. fan switch and it appeals to like yeah. a side of you that games typically like try and yeah. go for but don't nail which is comedy yeah and it's hard to games relate are very you, hard yeah. to be funny yeah yeah so and, like there's also so much of this game like it becomes overwhelming at a time where like in between chapters when you have all those maker conversations oh my god yeah there's so like, much to, like i remember like we were doing a podcast one night and we finished i'm like oh well i'm gonna go read net for like th two and a half hours because like 18 events are on my map yeah there will ser seriously be like an hour of optional cutscenes dropped on you multiple times it's yeah, crazy yeah because then it, when you get the true ending like it drops that like scenes for every maker all over again and then there's that whole uh cell phone arc yeah. that is also hilarious just, where they just go completely savage on making fun of mobile games and like their exploitive pay systems yeah it's like it's so smart there's it's, so much of this game too and it's all really good there's a lot to enjoy and like yeah. it's a game that you it'll keep you for a while yeah it's and yeah and then there's those like ridiculous level 800 dungeons that oh I never my god with. yeah never like, fuck with there's, that there's still more of this game if I want to try. Royan is the only person I know that's ever done that shit. Oh my god, that's insane. He leveled everybody to 999 and just fucking <laughs> face rolled that fucking game. That's dedication. He's trying to do it with Meganep and it's like, dude, you're not going to be able to. Oh god, yeah, because the characters in that level individually. They level individually, but not only that, they level slower. Like, you don't get much experience in that game at all. Like, all yeah. the numbers in that game are just way smaller. But yeah, Rebirth yeah. 3, I ain't arguing with that. That's a damn yeah, fine choice. Game of the year. Fantastic. That's awesome. why I was so shocked last year when you didn't give, when you went for Rebirth 1 mm -hmm. instead of 3. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that like it hit us for a lot of the same reasons. Just like yeah. mm-hmm. it appealed to something, you know, kind of clicked in your brain in a very mm-hmm. special way. Cool. So awesome. who do you want to go next, Rhett? John. Do Polly next. Ah, right. <laughs> John, getting called out. All right. Well, unlike Polly, I've been very um, straightforward in keeping with the rules. Um, oh. Unlike last year where I did like 30 games for my top 10. <laughs> um, this one I've been keeping it very straightforward. One game per entry. Um, which is why I continue to do that for my number one for my whole list. Um, and that's why my number one entry for Game of the Year 2016 is Homestuck. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. Okay. No, I, I know this journey. I know this journey. Yeah. We are very familiar with it. Uh, yeah. So, like, let's hear it. Come on. Lay you, it all out you for and us, me, John. You and me, Red, had this conversation about Higurashi where um, you said that, like, there is, like, one choice, like, or, like, two choices in, like, the seventh chapter or something. And it's like, oh, so now it's a game? But if you don't release, if you only have the first two chapters, then it's not a... What? So Homestuck has a bunch of different um, interactive portions. It's mostly a comic, but it fits, I think. Yeah. Um, This was just a month of my life that I look back on very fondly, was um, reading all of Homestuck. Um, because, like, the the way, the fact that this weird-ass, um, web series multimedia thing, um, caught on with as many people as it did, um, even though it's, like, so will, willfully obtuse yes. <laughs> to an outside observer. Like, it is such a tangled mess to look at from the outside. Yeah, if you, like, go in and look at, like, a recent comic or something, it's not gonna make any sense whatsoever um but the fact that it connected with as many people as it did i think is indicative that there's something underneath going on there and what's going on underneath is that homestuck is this bizarre seven-year journey that has a huge beating heart going on underneath it um and that story uh, goes to so many different places um, and it has a just such a huge cast and such a tangled web of rules and world logic that is just com- like deliberately obtuse for comic effect mm-hmm. while also being very um, consistent and genuinely yeah. like mysterious and things like that. and genuinely very mysterious. Um, it's just kind of. Oh, and there's so many beats that are just kind of genuinely haunting um, and character journeys that are come to fruition in ways that you just don't expect them to. Right. Um, and there's a bunch of little three-minute Flash movies that I can watch whenever I want uh, that make me cry and that <laughs> make me laugh uproariously. Um I think there's one in particular um, called Ter- S- called Terezi Remembers. Um, it's near the very end of the comic, and it's a char- basically Homestuck as a series where people are dying a lot. Ah, yeah. <clears throat> but because of the convoluted rules of the universe, people are constantly like coming back from death. Oh. And whatnot, because like you got your dream self, and if you die in your regular body, then you can get reincarnated in your dream self's body. 
Um, and then if you die, is your, and then if you die, but if you die in your quest bed, then your dream self body turns into the god tier version of you, which can't be killed unless it's um, unless it's a heroic or justified death. Um, except for one character, which breaks the clock that determines um, if you can die in god tier mode, which renders himself immortal, and he's the main antagonist. Um, it's ambiguous so, how that goes down. Uh, so, so it's a JRPG. Times, times infinity. Um, <laughs> um, and, and all the dialogue is presented in the form of, like, chat logs, um, where all the different characters have their own little lingo and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Terezi remembers people are dying constantly. Um, and basically what happens is that the psychic character gets a glimpse of all these different paths and futures and timelines that like got erased but we remember as the reader mm -hmm. um and, like it flashes back like three years in the comic showing clips of all these characters that died um and then while those were erased um not really but um it shows her just remembering all these different people dying yeah. and then from their perspective um standing up and realizing and seeing their body and realizing that they're dead and the effect of it is making this comic that is that treats death very kind of casually. Yeah. Um, and then sort of doubling down on even though even these people who nobody remembers um, being around or existing, their their lives still mattered. And their existence and their experiences still mattered. Sort of the Majora's Mask thing. Yeah. Like, um, where, like, even, even, like, the idea is that when people die, they, like, at least we can remember them, but then this goes even further beyond that. Like, these people who just didn't even have, like, anybody to remember them afterwards, because that all got erased, uh, well, uh, their existence still mattered. And then that ties into, a relationship between Terezi and Vriska that's resolved just very um, classily um, and sweetly. Yeah, that's really cool. And then it ends with like a 20-minute Flash movie where they fight for like 20 minutes and it's really <laughs> amazing. And oh my god, it's so anime and great. So they read it up. Oh, they read it up. They read it up. It is the... <laughs> It's some of the best reading up possible. <laughs> um, holy well, shit! I watched kind of your thing. Yeah, um, Toby Fox did a lot of music for the climax, climax and it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, Homestuck. It's I I started Homestuck because it was the predecessor for Undertale. Yeah, basically, in a lot of ways, and you can feel that. Um, I, it's not as like concise. <laughs> As Undertale or Ghost right, yeah, and I think that those are better stories as a result. But I don't think you could, you know, cut out a bunch of Homestuck and have it really have the effect that it needs to do. And it's just a very important story to me that I've kind of revisited emotionally in a lot of ways. And I think, like, as far as like emotional effect goes, um, Boyfriend of Death was the game that changed my life the most this year. <laughs> uh, and I think Ghost Trick was the best, but like I just started my first real, first full time job when I got into Homestuck, 
and obsessing over that kind of helped ground me during a major transition in my life. Yeah, that's um, a pretty big thing to go into. Yeah. And especially the field you're in. Like, that shit's not easy. No, like, yeah. You know, having to deal with a lot of responsibility on that level, you know, you kind of need yeah. shit to keep you grounded. Yeah, and for that, for me, that was all my favorite trolls and my gay ships and um, my black rom ships for the people that I think have the best hate crushes. And, yeah, it's just... Like, I, I mentioned it again, and she's like, I don't understand Homestuck. And I'm just like, well, it's, you just fucking read it. That's the way you do it. <laughs> um, so I understand if that's not a journey everyone's willing to undertake based on, you know, the fucking size of it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really glad that I did. And I think that makes it my game of the year. Fantastic. Can't argue with uh, an argument like that. Like I said, yeah, and, it's always the shit that like really sticks to your soul like that, and for those very important yep. reasons. Yep. And oddly enough, Polly's number one is actually also Homestuck. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Don't even have to say anything, shit. All right, here it is, folks. Oh, boy. My game of the year, 2016, is Zero Escape 3, Zero Time Dilemma. Oh, Fuck, I yeah. forget this. How did you forget this game? It was even mentioned earlier. I'm an idiot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this is a game that never was supposed to happen. Uh, 999 and VLR just did not cut it in Japan. And Spike Chunsoft were seeing way more success with Danganronpa. And they cut, um, they, you know, they cut the project off at the knees like when it was in pre-production. And it was just a big like massive outcry from fans on you know in the east and west of like no like this is a story that needs completion you know you don't end a game like vlr like the way that that game ends which in, in truly spectacular fashion um you don't end a game like that and don't and not finish the story and uh the thing that i really loved about that like this game getting to be made is like uchikoshi has just been so thankful and just like amazed at the outpouring of like just the, you know the, the fervor of the fans that like made this possible where it was just like you know the the people in suits finally like looked at it was like okay fine you know you can do this thing and uh for the final act of the zero escape series like they knock it out of the fucking park um Hell yeah the story like the, the, the entire story, like, everything is set up in VLR, you know, all all zero, like, all zero time dilemma had to do was deliver on everything VLR promises, um, and it does so, like, flawlessly, um, it does so with, like, a great presentation, it's not presented like a visual novel any longer, it's like, like a telltale game, like, there are these, like, hour-long cutscenes of characters just talking back and forth, and, like, it may be, like, you know, low-budget, janky animation, but, like, they worked with what they had, and, like, really, it's a game you could tell that had a lot of soul poured into it, because even with, like, it's some weird minor flaws with the gameplay and the puzzle logic not being quite as up to snuff as, uh, the puzzles were in, uh, VLR, um, <clears throat> there's still a lot of really smart things that like they tickle your brain in just the right way. And like the story's climax is like everything I wanted it to be. Um, 
They, you know, they make good on every question that you had. They answer it. Uh, it's like, it's, I've never, I've not seen a series like wrap itself up as cleanly as Zero Escape does with Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, you get closure for all of these characters that like many who are returning for like the third time. You get closure for all of them finally, and it, that feels good because you've taken this very long and very torturous journey with them. Like these games, literally, these games are not pleasant. Yeah, these games are full of violence and just misery and sadness, and like even like when they start explaining like how this world works. Like, all of this stuff just makes sense because they've contextualized it enough that even though it's, like, bullshit meta-science, it makes sense because, like, of the way they're presenting it and with the confidence with which they present it. Like, it's like, yes, I buy that these characters can do this thing with their brain, um, you know, that will do something very weird and fuck with timelines and fuck with possibilities. Um, And, like, the entire theme of the third game is like all about chance like like most of the like the critical scenes like and the decisions you have to make really all just come down to chance like the opening fuck like the opening of the game is like literally a 50 50 shot it's like you know i'm gonna flip a coin and if you guess right you could you all can leave here we're done but if you guess wrong you all stay here and play the game and like i don't know if that outcome is predetermined or not I know what I got my first time and was just sitting there just befuddled the first 10 minutes into the game. Yeah. Um, But that game like wraps around and like finishes itself up both as a self-contained story, a a way of answering all the questions you had about this series and just providing this very logical and like appropriate finish to this journey that has been, like just kind of amazing like it's it, it's a great little trilogy of games that like uh i can't wait for more people to finally experience you know with uh, uh the nonary games coming out on pc early next year oh, yeah. you're gonna have 999 and vlr in one package and then zero zero time dilemma is already on pc so like you know you're going to get to see all three of those games uh and that's really cool that more people are going to get into such a really cool story and enjoy these really great characters and like just left a huge impact like my final session of playing this game was literally 10 hours straight Holy like when, when i was when i was on my road to like finishing the game's like true ending it was like i just sat there with my 3ds plugged in 10 hours straight eating junk food and just playing like <laughs> i you could not get me away from the goddamn thing and i was just like i was laughing i was crying i was fist pumping fuck yeah it was just like every range of emotion that you can pack into like one game like i felt it all and i'm just so very satisfied that that series got the conclusion it deserved um and that is why zero escape three zero time dilemma is my game of 2016 how does everybody feel fuck yeah everybody happy with all of that yeah sure well, John like Thayer. Well, John Thayer. Before we wrap up here, why don't you? Yeah. Uh, why don't you give us a quick rundown of your list, ten to one? Let's go. Um, number ten is English Country Tune. Number nine, Drakengard Three. Number eight, Romancing Saga Two. Number seven, Lady Killer in a Bind. Uh, 
Number six, Helen's Mysterious Castle. Number five, The Beginner's Guide. Number four, Final Fantasy Tactics. Number three, Boyfriend to Death. Number two, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective. And number one, Homestuck. Fantastic. Rhett, 10 to 1. What you got? What you got? Number 10, Helen's Mysterious Castle. Number 9, Assault Android Cactus. Number 8, Lisa. Number 7, Fury. Number 6, The Witness. Number 5, No Man's Sky. Number 4, Life is Strange. Number 3, Tearaway Unfolded. Number 2, Mega Dimension Neptunia Victory 2. Number 1, Hyper Dimension Neptunia Rebirth 3 V Century. Wow. And... My number 10 is The Beginner's Guide. And number 9 is Helen's Mysterious Castle. Number 8 is Super Hot. Super Hot. Super Hot. Number 7 is Momodora Reverie Under the Moonlight. Number 6 is Life is Strange. Number 5 is Labyrinth of Toho 2. Number 4 is Mega Dimension Neptunia Victory 2. Number 3 is Breath of Fire 5 Dragon Quarter. Number 2 is a twofer. Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc and Danganronpa 2 Goodbye Despair. And my game of 2016 is Zero Escape 3 Zero Time Dilemma. I want to first start out by thanking everybody out there for listening. If you made it through this, you are a trooper. Give yourself a hand. I also want to thank everybody that took time to send us a list. We were absolutely floored with uh, how many lists we ended up getting this year. Like, we were glad that you guys, you know, you sent your list in, you shared it. You took some time to give us some of your time, and we, we always appreciate that. Um, I also want to throw a special thanks to, of course, Sayara. Uh, we always have the best album covers because Sayara is the shit. Um, I also want to thank Carmichael McCallis for providing some uh, album arts for us uh, as well. And Rhett, of course, you as well for providing. Um, thank you. Uh, Rock Grumbler has uh, been pretty cool, making sure we, we got on iTunes, we got on Google Play. Our RSS feed is always working fine. Uh, he hosts that, and I want to thank him uh, for always like being there to answer questions if I had any or if I need to make a change to something. He's always super cool. Uh, with helping out. And I want to thank the Sox ca- the SoxCast, SoxMakePeopleSexy.net Discord community and everybody on Twitter. Like, you guys are the absolute best. You make, like, every day just, like, looking at that little controller icon for the Discord <laughs> thing and popping it up and being like, what are these idiots talking about now? And you guys never never fail to bring a smile to my face when I need it. And I think, I, I think that's the case for all three of us, really. Um, and, of course, I want to thank Brett and John for being the best co-hosts anybody could ever possibly ask for. You guys make this worth it. Um, and I wouldn't trade either of you for anyone. So, um, except for Boner. Hugs. Yeah, I would trade John for Boner. Hugs and loves. Hugs and loves. So, with that, this is our final Sox cast of the year. We, were, we are going to catch you again in 2017. We're going to make the year better. We're going to make 2017 awesome. Mm. We're going to fucking do it. We'll do it. Somebody's <laughs> got to pull the weight. God damn it. So, John uh, Thayer, where can we find you? Farawaytimes.com. You can play my new video game, Spiders Hollow. Fantastic. Rhett, where can we find you? N3.tumblr.com. Unfortunately, most of the links will probably be dead because my web host is about to go down. And uh, with that, we're closing out 2016. And remember, we are the podcast that loves you. We're the only ones that love you. And you guys are going to want to stick around after the credits music for something real special. You're not going to want to miss this.
Yo! <sighs> Sorry, that took longer than I meant to. You took, you, you had to poop. <laughs> toot. You take me mm-hmm. you poop toot. <sighs> yeah, speaking I of that, it's time for... Because he peed on the floor and I caught him. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> She just said, oh my god. I was about to say that I just like got up off the toilet and some pee came out of me. And I'm like, this is going this is going in the podcast. Is this the intro or the outro? I don't know. Damn it. Alright, John, floor peer now. <laughs> I love you. I was about to bring it up. You you were I would have said I would have owned it. It's way funnier that she called you out for it. It's not the first time. This is a recurring issue. Chronic floor peer. Well, you just get a couple drops in your oh in your thing. Oh Jesus! And you get up and you're like, oh, I can turn back around. Pees for context. Yeah, I say when I pee, so it doesn't like <laughs> not like a natural moment where you can easily take care of that. You can't really shake it out while you're sitting. Oh my God, the bathroom is funny. <laughs> the bathroom is very funny. Ours is somewhat stinky. Oh my god. I didn't pee everywhere, so now it stinks in our bathroom. He just whips it out, pissing all over the ceiling, the mirrors. He doesn't care. The best thing, though, is that he never leaves the seat up. That's good. That's good. He's well trained, at the very least. It's true. No, it's simply convenient because he sits too. Oh my god. Even when I do stand to pee, I put the seat back down. All right, all right. I love you, even though you're extremely judgmental about me peeing on our bathroom floor. On occasion, a little bit, I'd like a couple drops of pee deliberately deposited on the floor. It's not just, like, accidental. That's what I just said, deliberately. All right. I think if it was accidental, like, I understand, but it was just, like, squirt. Oh, my God. All right, I love you. Judging my floor peeing.